1: So I would like to uh, first of all offer a warm welcome to everyone who came out on this uh, frigid December evening to spend some time with uh, City Commission this evening and to call this business meeting of the City Commission to order for Monday, December 19th, 2022. First item of business is
2: roll call. Clerk Burling. Commissioner Decker. Present. Commissioner Hess. Here. Commissioner Hoffman. Commissioner Juarez. Present. Commissioner Pradle. Present. Vice Mayor Cooney? Present. Mayor Anderson.
1: Here. May I have a motion to excuse Commissioner Hoffman?
2: Hello. Support.
1: Motion made by Commissioner Decker, supported by Commissioner Pradle. All in favor, please say aye. 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 All opposed, nay. All right, thank you. So we uh, are blessed this evening that for our opening ceremony we have my good friend Deacon Joe Schmidt here. Uh, welcome. Joe and I serve for quite a few years together on the Public Housing Commission. And I'm going to ask you to stand when uh, Deacon Joe provides an invocation and then remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. Welcome, Deacon Joe.
3: Thank you. It's a privilege. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't really believe in coincidences. I see them as God acting anonymously in my life. And this morning when I walked into the YMCA on the board was a quote from a Rabbi Shinur Zalman of Lai and it's a simple quote, but especially this time of the year when it's so dark, it makes sense. A little bit of light dispels a lot of darkness, and on my way in, I couldn't help but notice how these tiny little lights on people's homes Just illumine the darkness. And then three runners came alongside of the road wearing these, I don't know what they are, but they're really bright lights. And it was amazing how they illumined the darkness. And I thought to myself, isn't that what we elect commissioners for? To bring light into our darkness, our lives, And so I pray that the Lord blesses each of you with the ability to see the light that you are in our community and to lead us to the common good. And we ask this in the name of whatever you see as your divine presence in your life. Amen.
1: Thank you once again for getting us off on the right foot here. Uh, Deacon Joe, I appreciate your presence. Commissioners, you have before you the agenda for tonight's meeting. Are there any changes you'd like to see? Commissioner Prado?
4: Yeah, uh, I'd like to ask. Oops, I'm sorry. Oh.
1: Once again, uh, serving a great public good is something that I missed here and was just reminded by the good attorney uh, to my left. And that is, so do we have a proclamation? Introduction guess. Yeah, we have introduction to guests. There we go. That's what I thought. So, not only are we uh, kind of blessed by being here together and getting to do this work uh, in this great country we live in, but we have some very esteemed and honored guests with us here this evening. And uh, it was brought to my attention by an Eagle Scout here on the dais that uh, Troop 205 is with us here this evening. And as a matter of fact, my predecessor, Bobby Hopewell, was also a member of Troop 205 and was also an Eagle Scout. So you're doing something right. That's all I can say. Uh, Eagle Scout, I will use the appropriate uh, terminology, Pringle, uh, would you like to say a few words?
4: Sure. Thank you, Mayor. It's, uh, it's so good to see you guys out there uh, from Troop 205. I'm a proud uh, Troop 205 alum and uh, for, like uh, Mayor mentioned, former Mayor Bobby Hopewell was a, a 205 alum. Uh, I am so blessed, uh, the opportunities I was given and granted as a young person. I can almost certainly guarantee you I would not be involved in local government as an elected official if it wasn't for my time as a young scout. Uh, So many opportunities to travel and see the world and the country, and then an opportunity to create relationships and friendships that exist still today. Um, I still am very close to a number of my former scout leaders. Uh, do breakfast and lunch with them regularly. And uh, and so it's really cool to see you guys here tonight working uh, to learn a little bit more about our local government. So thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Commissioner Prado and welcome. All right, now back to our regular agenda here. So any changes, uh, and I know Commissioner Prado, you have one.
4: Yeah, I was gonna to ask to move G7 uh, just to the regular agenda tonight, just because I thought that was a, an interesting topic for the community to learn about from Director Baker, if you don't mind
1: okay great any other changes from commission all right i guess we're set so the agenda is set here let me see i'm sorry oh thank you i'm getting help from both sides tonight uh, I am reminded that it's now time to ask if there's anybody in the audience who would like to move an item From the consent agenda to the regular agenda All right, see no one more then, we're set
5: Communications I have
1: nothing your honor So next is an opportunity for public comments Speakers will each have three minutes uh, for their comments and uh, please don't go longer than that. The microphone does turn off at three minutes. We will start with in-person speakers, so anyone here in the chambers would like to speak, and then we will go to call-in speakers. People who want to offer comments by calling in should call 382-9556, starting now through the end of the public comment period. So please, anyone who's in the chambers who'd like to speak, please come forward.
6: Okay, it's kind of intimidating with the minutes like ticking down <laughs> <the committee, but laughs> Don't look at it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of timed it out. Uh, so my name is Alan. I'm actually surprised to see some of your faces in the mayor's office because um, I moved out of Kalamazoo 20 years ago. And I think you guys were just getting started on the city commission, if I'm not incorrect. Um, some of my friends, some of my oh right, <laughs> some of my friends were, were running for city commission in the early 2000s when I left. Um, and since then, I've been in about a dozen countries, short of a dozen, uh, and surprised to see that not a lot has changed in Kalamazoo. Uh, could be a good thing, but I've seen in other countries, uh, I've lived in a lot of third world countries in particular. Uh, where local governments are doing a lot of things for their citizens. Um, in Mexico, for example, they closed down the roads on the weekends for bikers to go through, um, recognizing that bikers are an existing population. Right. Um, I'm saying this in comparison because I think Kalamazoo is a city with potential. It's a city that Barack Obama, the president of the US, chose to visit specifically. Um, it has three institutions of higher learning which means it has a constant influx of bright minds and some hefty wallets, right? Um, I'm surprised to see what seems to be in comparison, maybe unfairly, a lot of squandered potential because I've seen what other countries have done at the local government level. Um, for example, here 20 years ago is almost when they put in the movie theater downtown, which is now closed, right? It was a bad idea, it seemed at the time, and and the reality has hit us now. Um, But I do see things like a heavy police presence, which I know is Mayor Anderson's uh, preference. Uh, It doesn't make me personally feel safe. Um, I get eyeballed and my stuff still gets stolen and then a a black person or a homeless person gets harassed uh, and doesn't resolve anything, right? But we do, I mentioned the homeless population, that is an issue that that I think we could address uh, at the city government level. Uh, Rents are at about $1,500 a month for students, I know, because I just moved back and I looked, but wages still haven't gone above $10 an hour. Um, And just a couple weeks ago, the Downtown Economic Growth Authority decided to host a dining and shopping event for the businesses. The same businesses that won't pay a living wage that make workers work a limited amount of hours part-time so they don't have to provide benefits like health care. And these are things that I think we could be doing at the local government level to kind of incentivize them to do more for the general population than than what they seem to be doing right now. Um, What I'm wondering, I know you have lots of board meetings, lots of meetings in general, but what can citizens
1: Thank you, appreciate it. Next, please.
7: Good evening, Mr. Mayor, commissioners, city officials. John Allen, uh, 3412 Bronson Boulevard. Here again to talk about transparency and accountability on the Bronson Boulevard uh, redesign plan, or as we like to call it, the Bronson Boulevard preservation plan. Your uh, survey takes false credit for more than 20 hours of public comment, even though no public comment is permitted on that survey or anywhere else. At three minutes a clip here, I'd have to come to every city commission meeting for about the next 16.4 years to equal that. Uh, So we hope we can find another method of being able to make more extensive comments available to you. We are puzzled that, we can't get the 18 safety metrics that are required by your own streets policy. They would show Bronson Boulevard is already safe, not a single bike or pedestrian accident in over 100 years. But now you want to put down eight to 10 miles of paint, two mile road, four to five paint markings uh, all along the way. And that road paint cannot improve on Bronson's perfect safety record. But drinking water is contaminated by road paint. It's chemicals, it's VOCs, arsenic, some cancer-causing. US Department of Transportation has done a big study on this. It's in the materials I will leave for you. And we're also puzzled that there's no environmental impact study, which is, I think, required to meet the federal statutory standard, which is minimize environmental contamination. Not restrict it, minimize it. It's inconceivable you would spend tens of millions of dollars on thousands of gallons of road paint and not assemble those safety metrics and the environmental study. We've asked for them repeatedly. We've received nothing. Would you pour 10,000 gallons of paint down the untreated stormwater drain that goes directly into the aquifer sources of our drinking water? Of course not that's exactly where all the road paint ends up going whether it's weather or traffic or plowing uh, it all ends up going down there and in a few years it's gone and so you paint all over again with even more paint that deserves study the issue for you to decide how much drinking water contamination are you willing to cause and accept to put paint down on a street that your own metrics would show is already safe. We would ask you that you adopt our four easy step interim solution, take down the survey, take down the plan. We need to start over, publish the 18 baseline metrics and the environmental impact data, and after that, then hold some real public meetings where some real public comment can be received, and a much better proposal. Thank
1: you, thank you. Thank you very much. Next please.
0: My name is Elizabeth Kratz and I'm also here to speak to the Bronson Boulevard proposed changes. Um, I also serve on the board of the Lakeside Beach Corporation one of the neighborhood associations. First though I want to say in the process of requesting a paper copy of the survey I had the opportunity to speak with a gentleman. I believe his name was Nolan at the city planning commission. Um, he was truly the epitome of a civil servant. He truly listened to me He shared information on some of the city's concerns The two of us had a very cordial exchange of ideas and that's something that seems increasingly rare Please Nolan deserves a raise or at least a good holiday bonus. <laughs> I Know that bike lanes are planned. Please know Ballard's they contribute to the perception of lanes being narrowed. I know perception is not reality, but all humans respond to perceived reality the same way they respond to reality. I have two teenagers who are working on their level one driving license, and I can see them when for every inch a lane narrows, their anxiety goes up. And when a situation comes that requires some judgment, they may not have the bandwidth to calculate that quickly. and it's. You and I are experienced drivers. I think we would handle that just fine. But it's those at the extremes of the driving career, novice drivers like my two, and those who might be nearing the end of their driving days. And Bronson Boulevard has a very, excuse very high toward the elderly population. Um, So anything we can do to preserve the perception that there's no restriction on those lanes. Uh, Paint, that's great. But Ballard's, no, I think that would present a driving hazard, at least for my two. And they're very good drivers, I will say. Um, And it is just paint. Uh, Please follow up after the changes have been instituted with a survey seeking comment from the residents, gathering feedback after a reasonable period of time. And if revisions are warranted, please consider including some members of the neighborhood from the ground up on planning rather than seeking plans, input on plans after they've been drawn up. Thank you all very much for your service and I wish you a Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you very much. Next, please.
8: Uh, I'm Steve Barber, I live at 532 Montrose in Kalamazoo. I don't know a lot about this, but I have some thoughts and comments and regarding Chief Coakley. I, when I got to know Chief Coakley, only in a couple of opportunities, I was impressed. I liked him; thought he was a nice guy, and I thought he changed. And I don't know him as a police officer, other than that. But I'm concerned about what's going on, and I don't know much about it. <laughs> I, I I was a, a school administrator for many, many, many years, and we dealt with a lot of things. And when harassment occurred. One of the things we always knew, we knew what harassment was and what it wasn't. And those are important distinctions. Often, things like harassment and other things that occur in the staff are an opportunity to improve, are an opportunity to look at what you're doing. Because one of the things we know is harassment of any kind is never allowed. And what we want to do is build a group that works together well and accomplishes the goals. Anyway, that's what I wanted to share. I'm concerned, but I know you have a job, and I know it's in the process. But I got to throw my thoughts out there for consideration. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Next, please.
9: Good evening, uh, my name is Daniel Baer. I'm a resident of Kalamazoo. Um, thank you for your time tonight. Um, I'm here as a resident of Kalamazoo and a representative of Mode Shift Kalamazoo, um, and I'd like to vo- voice my support tonight for the proposed bicycle and pedestrian improvements to Bronson Boulevard. Um, I've been very supportive, um, and our organization has been very supportive of the work that city staff has been doing on making the streets safer for everyone. Um, The recent street improvements have made it safer for my family to bike for transportation. From the daily school run to picking up groceries and to my wife's daily commute through downtown for work, we have felt safer going where we need to go. This increased safety is especially welcome when transporting my four-year-old daughter. I also wanna add there's much more work to do in this arena. In our car, we also feel safer moving through downtown. When it's clear what is car space and what is bike space, everyone's experience is improved. City streets belong to all city residents and all city residents deserve to safely move through the city across all neighborhoods, no matter what mode of transportation they choose. I ride my bike through four different neighborhoods to get to school and neighborhoods are connected and I think transportation happens across them and the planning should be comprehensive combining neighborhoods. Um, the issue, I think the issue of road paint contamination is a red herring. I don't think we fix environmental damage or climate change by maintaining the cars only transportation status quo. Um, there is a massive amount of drinking water contamination that happens across our cities from the existence of cars and the pollution they cause. So are we safe on the streets of our neighborhoods or are there few incidents of bikers and walkers being hit by cars in our neighborhoods because few people of all ages from age eight to 80, people aren't actually biking and walking as much as they would be if they were safer. Um, So um, I wanna thank you for for your time. I also wanna raise the idea, um, someone just just spoke about um, concern for their children, learning how to drive and and safety issues around the city. Um, I think some cities around the the country and around the world are starting to have citywide speed limits reduced. And I think that would make young drivers and old drivers alike feel safer, for for instance, having a 25 mile per hour speed limit across the city. So um, thank you to the city staff for the work they've done um, to make it feel safer for me and my family to get around on bicycle and foot in the city.
1: Thank you very much. Yes, next please.
10: Hello, everyone. Thank you for allowing the time to speak to you. my name is Wilson. I live on 715 Edgemore Avenue, so very close to Bronson Boulevard. And um, my comment is about Bronson Boulevard redesign as well. So, um, ever since I b- moved to 715 Edgemore, um, my family and I have been biking everywhere. And we have really kind of taken uh, a bike centric lifestyle. We still have our cars, but we take our bike usually for trips under 20 miles. Um, so just kind of give you a glimpse of what my day is like. So every morning I would take my four-year-old, we would um, ride on our cargo bike to Kazoo School all the way down Bronson Boulevard. And then uh, we also take Bronson Boulevard connected with uh, Crosstown Parkway to go downtown for dance class, uh, for library, for um, rocket fizz, you know, when, you know, they need to get their sugar fixed. Um, so when we talk about how a city make us feel, right? Um, when we talk about a city that is well known for their feelings you know paris for example we don't really talk about hey you know their water is not as good right or uh, they don't have as many um, you know homeless people Um, but we do when we do land on there we do see a lot of people biking in a highly dense urban environment and uh, we do see that people are happy you know walking the street going to their local um, places without the Pressure, you know having to drive to own a car car ownership is really expensive we know that because we have two cars, and we're just they're just sitting in the garage right now I'm still paying a ton of money you know for their upkeep for their insurance etc but to in my opinion Kalamazoo hasn't achieved a level where I I can give up those cars completely because I don't feel safe sometimes riding on the street Uh, especially with my kids So when you talk about like Deacon Joe mentioned, you know, runners wearing really bright lights, right? Why do those runners wear wear bright light when they're running? They're exercising, they're enjoying themselves precisely because they're afraid of getting hit by cars. They wanna be visible. Why do we have to depend on light to keep us safe? Why can't we build barriers to keep us safe? Why can't we build dedicated lanes for people to enjoy themselves around the city? When you talk about how a city make you feel, I shouldn't feel unsafe running at night and have to wear a bright light I should feel very safe I should feel like I can go anywhere and this is my community right here um, and also when we talk about using paint for the bike lane if paint is causing pollution let's just not use paint let's put planners for the and then let's plant something concrete barrier something extremely safe you know um, I mean after all like what can you do once uh, you know have someone get hit by a car right Um, because they couldn't see because the car is in the way it just to me it just um... Uh,
1: thank you your three minutes are up thank you appreciate it yes next
11: please good evening everybody mr. mayor commissioners my name is Steve Glista uh, I'm a Kalamazoo resident at 2336 Midbell Terrace and I'm here tonight to talk about transportation dignity um, there's a rite of passage that I think most of us are familiar with that um, occurs in early early in the teen years in, in most people's lives and I've been thinking about it a lot lately as my oldest son is now 14 years old Uh, I'm going to ask you to think back on what it was like to be 13 or 14, and think about wanting to be out with your friends, you want to go see a movie, or think about trying to go on that first date with someone, and you're 15 years old, and you want to ask somebody out, and you have to have that inevitable conversation, right? Well, my mom can drive us there if your mom can pick us up, you can't be responsible for your own transport until you have a car. And that's a choice that we have made in the way we've developed our infrastructure here, that people can't truly be independent. People can't safely move around the community because we haven't built infrastructure that supports their ability to move around independently with dignity. So I want to thank the city of Kalamazoo For the investments that we've made so far in building infrastructure and setting aside infrastructure that can be used by people who either don't have access to their own vehicle whether it's because of funds or whether it's because uh, of age or whether it's because you know they they've had their keys taken away at the other end of the driving cycle Um, that's another conversation that I've been thinking about that I'm not looking forward to uh, as my parents and uh, you know other folks in our family are aging and it's a it's a conversation that nobody wants to have is you know let's take the keys away from grandma so I want you to think about that contrast the sense of I don't want to call it shame but the the, the embarrassment of well my mom can drive us there if your mom can pick us up and contrast that with the sense of independence and the sense of self-sufficiency that someone has when they have their own transportation independence, because that's really what we're talking about, is whether our neighbors and our friends here in Kalamazoo can be responsible for their own transportation or whether they need to rely on someone else um, to to get them where they need to be. So again, I wanna thank the city of Kalamazoo for investing in transportation independence, because that's really what this is about, is independence and dignity. Thank you. Thank you
12: yes next please Uh, good evening mr. mayor commissioners William Rowland Kalamazoo residents I'm here to speak also don't know the gentleman but I was happy to hear that he spoke up regarding uh, the issue of harassment with our chief Um, I know that there seems to be a gag order nobody knows what's going on investigation happening but as I said last time I was here I'm a 30-year retired employee of the city of Kalamazoo Um, I've known numerous chiefs I can think of Ross I can think of Hetrick I can think of Ed Edwardson I can think of Dan Weston Carrie Ann and Chief Coakley had some great opportunities to get to know some of them very well Uh, Chief Vernon Coakley is one of those people Uh, I think uh, many of you saw him in the community interacting even as far as praying with people when things were going on in this community. I'm also a former military. I'm a combat veteran, I'm a Vietnam veteran, 11 months, 19 days in that, several years other than that. And through that, I've had the privilege to walk on five of uh, our seven continents during my time in the United States, everywhere but Antarctica and Australia. Like to go to Australia, I don't want to go to Antarctica. Uh, Don't do well in cold. Having said that, it is my hope that we are being truly considerate and consistent with our chief, former chief, whatever the status is and that we're giving every benefit of the doubt. When I said that a former military a combat veteran, one of the things I know is that in command, you give orders. We don't like them sometimes, but we do what we need to do because we have to get certain jobs done. Uh, I can imagine that any chief that's been here could probably make that statement. I've given some directions that everybody didn't appreciate, everybody didn't want to do but we do what we need to do when we need to get it done. Um, and I just want to be sure that as we talk about harassment, as he said, what it is, what it is not. Our directives harassment is doing what I don't want to do. So I just hope that we're giving every benefit to the doubt of someone who's been serving this community very well and is respected in many circles in this community. And I just wanted to put that out there because uh, I am one of those people who have high respect for him. I've seen him both in, in the workplace. I've seen him in community. I've seen him interact with young people, uh, young men in particular, that is one of the things uh, when I met the former Chief Carrie Ann, I met them at a time when we were dealing with some issues of a lot of high-speed traffic in the community, and I saw her and at that time, Deputy Chief Coakley interacting with them, but I saw him interact and be very productive and very, uh, how do I wanna say, yes, very productive with it in his communication with the, with the young people. And I think that's one of the things we need to be, because we have a lot of issues with young people in this community. I woke up to uh, some news recently uh, of the death of the young man who was shot and killed. But still, even in my sermon on yesterday, I had to speak about that. We shouldn't have to hear those things in Kalamazoo. We're better than that. We're better than that.
1: Thank you very much. Is there anyone else in the chambers that would like to make a comment?
13: Good evening, Jeff Messer, city resident. Uh, First, I'd like to apologize to those of you uh, watching on Public Media Network, Facebook, YouTube, WKZO Radio, WMUK Radio, and Michigan Radio, uh, if uh, tonight's um, citizen speakers and the commission members that their voices distorted. Um, A new audio system was put in in May, and uh, the audio has been distorted for like six months now. Um, I let staff know. Um, I watched the last meeting. The video was still distorted. It's really obvious uh, if you listen to WKZ radio uh, or Michigan radio or WMUK because all you have is the audio to go on. So maybe if you watch the video, maybe it's not so obvious because you can see the lips moving and and all that. Um, But if you listen on the radio, it's really obvious that the audio is distorted. And I can't tell you... If uh, tonight's audio is distorted, I don't know if they fixed it. I won't know until I watch the recording later, Uh, but if if it's um, distorted, uh, please contact the city manager's office and ask them. I know a citizen has uh, come up here before and complained about the audio. Uh, So the reason why I came up here tonight is to uh, address the comments uh, given by tonight's first speaker. I've got good news for him. Uh, A fourth operator has been found for the Downtown Movie Theater. You're gonna have to search uh, MLive and WWMT's website. Uh, but we've uh, we've had uh, three previous operators of the movie theater in that location since 2005. First, you had the Rave City Place 14, and then you had the Alamo Draft House, and then AMC decided they wanted to expand into the buildings that they already own, and they kicked the Alamo Draft House out, and that was a real loss for our community because this new operator i hope them i wish them success it's good for our downtown but it's not going to be like alamo draft house was unless they're going to be doing things like alamo draft house did uh, secondly the uh, citizen was commenting on uh, cities in mexico uh, i don't know anything about uh, local government in mexico uh, but here in michigan uh, we don't have what some states have which is like i think it's called home rule or something uh, Ohio has that where the uh, localities can do like whatever they want unless um, the legislature prohi- prohibit- prohibits them but uh, this is something that City Attorney Robinson knows uh, for example the citizen uh, mentioned or sig- seemed to be inferring that the city of Kalamazoo should have its own living wage I'm pretty sure the Michigan legislature probably prohibits uh, localities in the state of Michigan from enacting their own minimum wage its higher than what the state does. Uh, so I'm not giving the city commission an excuse for failing uh, to place the uh, pods, the 50 pods that HRI has and letting snake die in MLK Park. You need to get on that, don't let any more people die. But uh, there is some limits on what the uh, city commission can do in enacting local legislation. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else in the chambers who'd like to speak this
1: evening? See no one. Deputy City Manager Chamberlain. Has anybody called in?
7: Uh, we'll go ahead and check. I go ahead, you're live with the council City Commission.
14: Hello. Hello?
7: Yes, go ahead. You're on with the commission right now. Go ahead, you're live with the City Commission. Hello. Hello, oh, yes. Go Hello. ahead, you're with the commission right now. Go ahead and give
15: your public comment.
14: Good evening, my name is Ashante Collins and I am the co-chair for the Campaign for Criminal Justice and Transparency, and I'm also the Anti-Racism Task Force Lead at ISAAC. Tonight, I will be reading our ISAAC Executive Director, Dr. Charlay Davis, public comment. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commissioners, and City Staff. My name is Charlay Davis. Though out of town, I wanted my public comment to be read. On this December date, our community and our city are still in pain for many reasons. And healing comes when we fully address the root of these problems. I want to unpack the beloved community that Dr. King spoke of. He said it was not devoid of conflict, but free of violence and that practices and policies were infused with love, abundance, hope, and equity so that all are held as beloved. We have much more to do together, and we must lean in to achieve this beloved community. While building building the beloved community, we need collaboration, love, and unity. And also, love means engaging in truth-telling. Love means having those difficult conversations. Love means staying at the table through conflict. Love means addressing and dismantling systemic racism and isms. And love means standing boldly, even if you have to stand alone, to ensure our policies and practices are equitable. Anti racism work means using that lens each and every time when examining policies and practices within our systems. So, city commissioners, questions. Can you confirm this situation with our chief is being handled consistent with how previous situations with chiefs, similar in nature, have been handled? How are you ensuring this past process and current investigation were and are centered in anti-racism and equity? Manager, are you able to report as to when the investigation will conclude and share with the community, honoring confidentiality and lifting transparency? Lastly, during our Isaac Leadership Board meeting, we reflected on 2022. I want to share our questions, We debriefed, and ask these same questions of you all. As elected officials, what did you learn about yourself as someone of faith and or someone working for equity, justice, and anti-racism? How were you challenged? Where did you miss the mark in equity, justice, and anti-racism work or fall short? Where did you find victory and growth in your social justice, anti-racism, and equity journey? I invite you all to reflect with us as 2022 comes to a close. Thank you. Dr. Charlay Davis of Isaac.
7: That was the last call. Thank you very
1: much, WC Manager Chamberlain. I appreciate you handling that. Now uh, we have come to our. Consent agenda. City Manager Risma.
5: The following items have been a- brought forward for approval. First is the approval of a purchase of two Ford F600 truck chassis from Gorno Ford through the MyDeal Cooperative Purchase Program in the amount of $116,650. Next is the approval of a three year small municipal and county government enterprise agreement with the Environmental Systems Research Institute Incorporated through the MyDeal Cooperative Purchasing Program in the amount of $143,100. Next, the approval of a two-year contract extension with Continental Linen Services for industrial, uniform, rental, and cleaning services for staff use within the Department of Public Services in the amount of $150,000. Next, the approval of a sole source three-year agreement with fleet efficiency for GPS live tracking for city vehicles except public safety in the amount of $220,752. Next is the approval of a contract supplemental change order with Ferguson Waterworks for the advanced purchase of ductile iron pipe and appurtenances in the total amount of $280,040.50. Next is the approval of a three month contract extension with Alexander Chemical Corporation for the purchase of 12.5% sodium hypochlorite by volume in the amount of $289,948.75. Next is the adoption of a resolution approving four new neighborhood enterprise zone homestead applications in the Vine neighborhood. Next is the adoption of a resolution recommending approval of the application from Kezu Tacos LLC for a development district liquor license located at 215 East Michigan Avenue within the city's existing downtown development district. Next, is the approval of a five-year revocable license agreement with the Kalamazoo Nature Center for a limited portion of property near the Bats driveway at 2315 Angling Road. Next is the approval of an agreement with the W. Upjohn Institute for Employment Research for a Shared Prosperity Kalamazoo High Impact Fund Grant in the amount of $250,000 to assist core neighborhood families with increased access to good jobs and employer engagement in 2023. Next is the acceptance of an ending community violence grant from the state of Michigan Department of Health and Human Services in the amount of $50,000 to support Urban Alliance's Change of Status Program in 2023. Next is the acceptance of the 2021 Justice Assistant Grant Award from the U.S. Department of Justice in the amount of $103,750. One dollars. Next is the acceptance of a 2022 justice grant, assistance grant from the U.S. Department of Justice in the amount of $113,560. And finally, approval of a request from New Year's Eve Fest of Kalamazoo to publicly display fireworks from the Epic Center parking structure on Saturday, December 31, 2022 at midnight as part of the annual New Year's Eve Fest event.
1: Thank you very much, Manager Ritzma. The commissioners, the requested action is a motion to approve items one through six and eight through 15 and authorize the city manager to sign all related documents on behalf of the city. Sir, motion.
16: So moved.
1: Motion made by Commissioner Juarez. Support. Supported by Commissioner Hess.
2: Quick Burling, please call the roll. Commissioner Hess. Yes. Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Pradle. Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes. Mayor Anderson. Yes. Commissioner Decker.
1: Thank you, Commissioners. The items on the consent agenda are approved. We have several items on our regular agenda this evening. First one is item H1, Manager Ritzma.
5: Approval of a support service agreement with the Foundation for Excellence and the creation of a full time equivalent position allocation for the FFE Executive Director.
1: Thank you very much. Is there a staff report on this item?
5: Uh, No, but we do have staff available if there are any questions.
1: Uh, Any questions, commissioners? All right, seeing none, Uh, is there anyone in the audience that would like to comment on this item? That's item H1. Please come to the podium, give us your name, and whether you live in the city. Each speaker will have three minutes. Seeing no one at this time, the recommended action is a motion to approve the agreement and position allocation. Is there a motion? Motion made by Commissioner Decker. Support. Support. Supported by Vice Mayor Cooney. Any discussion, Commissioners? All right, seeing none. Clerk
2: Burley. Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Pradle. Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes. Mayor Anderson. Yes. Commissioner Decker. Commissioner Hess.
5: Yes.
1: Thank you, Commissioners. The agreement is approved. Next is item H two. City Manager
5: Adoption of an ordinance to amend Article Three of Chapter Fifteen of the Kalamazoo City Code, Fire Prevention and Protection, to adopt the 2021 edition of the International Fire Code.
1: Any uh, staff that entertains to report in this item, Manager
5: No, but uh, we do have someone here available if there are questions.
1: Questions from you on the commission? All right, seeing none, is there anyone in the audience that would like to comment on this item, that's item H2? If so, please come to the podium, state your name, where you live in the city, and you'll have three minutes. Seeing no one, the recommended action is a motion to adopt the ordinance, is there a motion? So moved. Motion made by Commissioner Hess. Support. Supported by Vice Mayor Cooney. Any discussion? Thank you.
2: Uh, Clerk Burnley, please call the roll. Commissioner Pradle? Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney? Yes. Mayor Anderson? Yes. Commissioner Decker? Yes. Commissioner Hess? Yes. Commissioner Juarez? Yes. Thank you, Commissioners. The ordinance
1: has been adopted. Next is item H3, City manager Risma
5: first reading of an ordinance to amend the pension ordinance regarding deferred retirement option plan
1: Manager Risma is there any report on this particular
5: item there is none but we do have staff available for okay. questions
1: questions Commission Christian, Christian pradle
4: yeah I'd, I'd appreciate the chance just to let the public hear a little bit more about this and why we're mm-hmm. why we're doing this
1: okay. Thank you, Commissioner Pruitt. I see Acting Chief Boyson is coming forward here. Thank you for being here with us,
15: Commissioners and City Manager Clerk Borling. Uh, Yes, uh, it's a um, pilot program that we have uh, uh, brought forward for a three-year pilot program, and the purpose of this is to retain um, our current highly trained staff uh, so we don't lose them to retirement. Um, this is similar to what other cities in the area are doing. Uh, Grand Rapids is doing it, Battle Creek is doing it, Michigan State Police. Um, so if we look at our staffing, we're authorized for 268 sworn officers. Uh, right now we're at 240, so we're uh, 20 short. Uh, we anticipate 12 retirements in 2023. 20, uh, um, and then during the course of this three-year pilot program, we're anticipating a total of 26 retirements. So that's a lot of experience and skills that are leaving um, and will further um, create more problems with our staffing uh, because our hiring pace cannot keep up with the, that level of retirement. So, hopefully, this will help stabilize their staffing as part of our overall strategy uh, with our recruiting and hiring uh, and uh, retention to uh, stabilize their staffing. So, if you look at our um, applicants, they are steadily decreasing. Uh, from 2017, at that time, we had 1,057 applicants uh, to the department. Um, In this last year in 2022 that dropped to 328 applicants. So the number of applicants is decreasing. So this would help uh, stabilize that
1: Uh, Just to just a follow-up question here just for some clarification. So uh, a public safety officer can take advantage of working for 25 years and retiring correct and this is a way to uh, give people the opportunity to work Longer, not being forced into that choice, is that accurate?
15: Yes, they can retire after 25 years and get their full pension. Um, They could choose to uh, have a one to three year drop, so delayed retirement, so they could uh, work one extra year, two extra years, up to three years total extra. And what would happen is their final average compensation, their pension benefits, everything would be locked at their rate upon the entry of the drop. Um, And then they would have the option to stay up to those three years and accrue their pension in a separate account. Um, while they're working and they w- would uh, withdraw that money upon exit of the drop So basically instead of collecting their pension right away after 25 years it gets um, Put aside for them and uh, while they continue work, um, but again their fa- final average compensation for um, as far as their um, Pension benefits is locked in at the date of the entry of the drop
1: so really this does not add to that pension calculation it in essence puts that benefit in escrow for well, when they do determine that they want to retire, then correct. Right? And
15: we did have an actuarial done, uh, and it did not show a adverse effect on the pension fund balance. Uh, so we did look at that, um, and then we also um, brought this forward to the unions, uh, negotiated with the unions uh, to get this agreement as well.
1: Thank you very much, Commissioner Pradle Anything more? Any other questions for staff? Thank you very Thank much, Acting you. Chief. So is there uh, no questions? Now is the opportunity for anyone in the audience who'd like to comment on this item. That's item H3. If so, please come to the podium, give us your name, and whether you live in the city. Each speaker will have three minutes. Seeing no one, uh, the recommended action is a motion to offer this ordinance for first reading. May it will be coming back to us. Is there a motion? Motion made by Commissioner Decker. Support. Supported by Commissioner Hess. Discussion, colleagues. See none? Clerk
2: Vice Mayor Cooney? Yes. Mayor Anderson? Yes. Commissioner Decker. Yes. Commissioner Hess? Yes. Commissioner Juarez? Yes. Commissioner Pradle? Yes. Thank
1: you, Commissioners. The ordinance has been offered for first reading. Next is item H for City Manager Rizmo.
5: First reading of an ordinance to amend Article 10 of Chapter 2, Employment Employee Retirement System.
1: Thank you very much. I presume there's not a staff report on this, is that correct?
5: Right, our city attorney is available for any questions.
1: All oh, right. that's very handy, isn't it? Uh, are there any questions for our city attorney on this? Commissioner Pradle
4: same deal I, I just I think it'd be helpful to get some background for the public
17: to hear learn a little bit more about why we're doing this
1: all right sounds good attorney Robinson
17: thank you commission this is more of a housekeeping ordinance to make uh, the ordinance reflect changes that have occurred for instance we now have a chief operating officer and that position isn't I specifically identified so that's one change that's being made to identify that the other change is one that's probably a little overdue when the ordinance was initially adopted, there was a $1,000 death benefit for when a retiree passed away, ostensibly to help with funeral expenses. Uh, that hasn't changed since the 1980s, and it was recommended by our uh, finance director, management services director, Mr. Vicenzi, to increase that to $5,000. Again, the impact on the um, pension fund is negligible, and again, that's keeping in uh in tune with the increased cost of funeral expenses and so that's basically the two main changes that are m- being made to the ordinance
1: thank you Chair robinson commissioner Pradle. you
17: did have one question i noticed in the language it
4: talks about the chief operating officer but also it references um deputy um, city manager but i happen to know we also have a assistant city manager now so i don't know if that has any impact on it if the language keeps it broad enough that that encompasses other positions within the city manager's office.
1: I think we've had assistant city managers before.
17: We we have had, uh, but this is a general member administrator and for some reason this version is, should say also assistant city manager. So uh, that's a uh, scrivener's error. So we do had uh, the current language of the ordinance does speak to deputy city managers but now we have an assistant city manager and the intent was to include that position as well so if you would pass the um, introduce this ordinance with that change we'll make sure it's uh, reflected when it comes back to the Commission cool thank you
1: great question Commissioner Pradle. any other questions for attorney Robinson on this Well, seeing none, is there anyone in the audience that would like to comment on this item? This item H4. So please come to the podium, state your name, whether you live in the city, and you'll have three minutes. Seeing none, uh, the recommended action is a motion to offer the ordinance uh, presuming that we are addressing this. Would you like to read this to Attorney Robinson just to make sure we have the... The addition
17: certainly the motion would be to um, amend the uh, pension ordinance to uh, as as introduced with the exception to include the position of assistant city manager
1: thank you is there like to make that motion so move motion made by Commissioner whereas Supported by Commissioner Decker. Any discussion commission colleagues? All right. seeing none. Kirk Berlin, please
2: call the roll. Mayor Anderson. Yes. Commissioner Decker. Yes. Commissioner Hess. Yes. Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Prado. Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes.
1: Thank you, commissioners. The ordinance has been offered for first reading. And now we do have an item H5, which was formerly G7 on the consent agenda, manager Risma.
5: Approval of a two-year contract with Solenus LLC for the purchase of Z tag 8816 polymer in the amount of 1 million nine hundred and fifty five thousand three hundred fifty five dollars and twenty eight cents
1: Thank you very much city manager Commissioner Pradle.
4: Yeah, I pulled this this item just because I thought it was particularly interesting uh, just the I guess the creativity being used um, by um, public services in terms of creating this. And I I was wondering if uh, director Baker, if you wouldn't mind just kind of briefly talking about this and what went into this process, I know that, um, part of this was that there were like five different polymers tested to try to see, um, effectively what, um, be the most cost effective, uh, removal from, um, um, the wastewater plant and whatnot. And so I wasn't sure if you could speak a little bit about that process and, and why we were doing that.
5: You want to come forward director Baker he he never misses the chance to talk about polymer
4: <laughs> well I, I thought this was a particularly cool example of where you know we have city staff that are thinking very creatively uh, to, to find solutions I think the the reason this is particularly interesting is because if you look back earlier this year we had um, uh, a, a supplemental for uh, disposal services basically because uh, you know fuel charge charges and what they were charging us went from like something like four to 8 or $9 million, if I'm not mistaken. So I know this is all kind of mixed into that uh, solution making to try to uh, be more efficient with our dollars, so.
16: He got so excited, he got stuck in his chair. Uh,
18: (laughs) 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 Welcome, Director Baker. Uh, Thank you, good evening, uh, Mayor, City Manager, City Attorney. Um, Yeah, thank you, City Commissioner Prado. Um, Bit of a technical question, so I'll try to hurry up and get through this here. Um, so the, the polymer is a, a chemical a, a water treatment additive that we use within the solid handling process. Um, it's, it's a coagulant that gets fed part of the centrifuge. Uh, before this contract we were on uh, belt filter press uh, polymer so it's a little bit different process and we're using a little bit different uh, chemical makeup if you will. Um, so all those polymers that uh, were part of our bid process had to go through performance testing at the wastewater treatment plant. So in that performance testing, we take uh, the polymer that the bidder is essentially bidding and we put that in our process and then we measure our ability to make solids through the centrifuge. So the higher the solids content or the lower the water content really is the driving factor in performance. Um, As you stated, we have uh, pretty high sludge hauling and disposal costs. Um, so that those costs are, uh, we don't anticipate those costs to go down, uh, but it's just a matter of continuing to optimize those. So we don't wanna pay more than we have to. Um, So this is uh, essentially a classic example of optimization. Uh, We have inputs into a process and we have an end goal. The end goal is to lower the amount of dollars that we're spending in the overall solid handling process. And so you know we have, this is one of many inputs uh, to that process. But again, we're looking to optimize that and get an out-the-door cost that's the most economical for our ratepayers. So that is kind of what um, is behind the recommendation. What drives the recommendation that's before the commission tonight.
4: So basically, it's whatever polymer you pick is what can extract the most uh, water from the cakes that get shipped away. So it's kind of like when you see the commercial, and it's like laundry detergent and it's saying like well you know you're paying for 80% water when you ship it it's kind of the same with the cakes that we're you know shipping out you know the more water we can extract the more economical it is to extract and ship those out right
18: correct and, and we want to draw attention to the fact that we're optimizing the entire process there are cheaper polymers um, so if you looked at the bid tab you know there there were polymers that may have had an advertised price it's cheaper but if we go with that we'll, we'll be paying more in the landfill so it's important to look at all the inputs to the process and optimize the process so that the out-the-door cost is the most economical.
1: Thank you Director Baker and thank you uh, Commissioner Pradle. Does anyone else, just before you leave Director Baker, I know you might be surprised by that, but does anyone else have a question for about ZTAG 8816 polymer? Alright, seeing none at this point I guess you are. Alright, got it, thank you. Thank you. So with no more questions, uh, now is the opportunity for anyone in the audience who would like to comment on this item, formally G7, now H5, under the regular agenda. If you want to make a comment, please come to the podium, state your name, whether you live in the city, and you'll have three minutes. Seeing no one, uh, commissioners, the recommended action is a motion to approve uh, item, formerly item G7, now H5, and authorize the city manager to sign all related documents on behalf of the city. Is there a motion? So move. Motion made by Vice Mayor Cooney. Support. Supported by Commissioner Juarez. Any discussion? Clerk Berlin,
2: please call the roll. Commissioner Decker. Yes. Commissioner Hess. Yes. Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Pradle. Yes. Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes. Mayor Anderson.
1: Yes. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, the motion has passed. Next, reports and legislation. Manager Wisma.
5: Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, we do have a quarterly report of the odor task force for the third quarter of 2022. Uh, Director Baker is here to answer any questions. There will not be a formal presentation.
1: Uh, questions at this juncture commission? And how can people get access to this quarterly report, Manager Mr. Baker? Well, I guess, sorry about that, Director Baker.
18: Yeah, thank you, sir, uh, good evening, Your Honor, City Manager, um, City Commissioner, City Attorney. Uh, the report is available in the packet, that's one resource. Um, however, all reports going all the way back to the beginning of the odor task force reporting, quarterly reporting that we do, is available online. Uh, so we'd encourage folks to go online, citycalumazoo.org, um, and you know, can, within your navigation of the site, there's a site dedicated to odor task force And within that dedicated odor task force site, you'll see all these reports, um, and then as well as links to odor observations. That's where you can uh, make us aware of an odor uh, that you may have observed in the community. Um, and there's also links to EnviroSuite, which is the real-time order monitoring um, application that we have. So we would encourage uh, folks to go to that resource. There's a tremendous amount of functionality that EnviroSuite now has, uh, so that you can see um, each one of the sensor locations will show, give you a readout in real time. You can click on that sensor location and it will give you a trend of the near term. I think it's a, a few days or a few hours. Also, there's the annual average. You can see within that, so you have to kind of toggle on the uh, graph, and you'll be uh, it'll show you a little window that says what the annual average is for that location. And then within that uh, web link, you can go up to the upper uh, right-hand corner, and there's some drop-down menus for reports. And then within the reports, there's um, I forget what the number is, but there's uh, a list of options to trend and graph every sensor uh, that we have in the network that we've had since September 2019, and then within when you build a, uh, a report or a trend, uh, you also have the ability to extract the raw data from that so you can select tab data and get all the tabular data out of that uh, as well. So again, city, citykalamazoo.org has got all of the website uh, information on it and it's uh, under the odor task force and uh, a lot of information there. So any other questions? No.
1: Nope. Uh, yes Vice Mayor
19: thank you um, so this is about odor it's not about health it's just it's, it's a whole separate thing um, I read the report um, what I didn't see in there is in your opinion is the odor getting less yeah that's you know that's a great question
18: vice mayor generally in the report are uh, we see our role as providing information of our status on the work we've done um, and the data so you don't necessarily see us give uh, narrative opinions uh, within, within that. Um, I would say that, uh, that the best resource available is you know, to look in the trends and, and chart progress. Um, you know there, there is additional information that will be coming out in terms of the health studies um, that's gonna be coming out. Uh, we saw updates at our Environmental Concerns Committee where Michigan Department and Health and Human Services Came to those meetings and address those committees, so uh, we accept, uh, we anticipate to get those reports in the first quarter of uh, January. And again, uh, this is work that uh, you know we've been engaged in for a number of years now. We're committed to, and we're we've got a number of projects that we're continuing uh, with that work. Um, I would say, you know, just from kind of anecdotal observation, uh, I would it it appears that. The numbers are starting to trend down, uh, but that uh, is, you know, anecdotal nature. We we haven't really have a, a finite um, report that that quantifies that. You know, it's a bit of a uh, the t- the numbers are moving. The data we continue to add data points, so that's um, some relevancy has to get looked at there in terms of uh, we could show you um, some data points that haven't been around very long. So we're continuing to build information from that so again it's just it's work in progress and we continue to do that work okay thank you
1: Commissioner Pradle.
4: question for you as well I'm trying to remember back with this but i going back to like when graphic packaging first asked for like tax incentives I thought this was like one of the stipulations of doing this report was based on that tax incentive they this year didn't come back to request uh, a tax incentive if i'm not mistaken so <clears throat> have they still seemed willing to you know contribute reporting or their you know end of the report each quarter even though they haven't come to us to ask for that tax uh, break this year
18: yeah th- you know that's a great question so there's um <clears throat> there is some connectivity between that work and the other task force uh, although um it's important to note that the older task force did exist before that interaction was created so you know there continues to be a positive re- working relationship with between the city and Graphic Packaging International at a technical level. As we work together uh, to continue continue to resolve uh, you know the odor challenges um, in terms of continuing to, to do those reports. Um, you know we leave that up to the commission city manager uh, for the direction we see. But at a staff level, we continue to do that work and interact with with uh, staff from Graphic Packaging as well.
4: That's good. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great continuing to have that dialogue and reporting from the company, even if, if they're not getting an incentive. Uh, the other thing I was going to ask as well is I noticed in the report it mentioned that there were some, like, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but like some issues with the EnviroSuite uh, uh, stations, especially the ones that were um, like solar and having to, like, uh, you know, kind of like almost like outages, if you will, on some of them because of like power issues. Do you know if they're having any? Or we're having any success with those issues and resolving any of those at all?
18: So I would just say broadly, you know, this is some new technology. Uh, you know, we're really on the forefront of being able to measure this stuff in real time and broadcast that information out to everybody. Um, like any instrumentation or mechanical thing, there there's ups and downs. Um, there there are times where um, you know sensors are unavailable for a number of reasons. Uh, some of which I don't even understand. So um, the, the power issue is one. We've also had a lot of vandalism. So there's been at least uh, one location that for whatever reason has seen its fair share of vandalism. Um, so that's, that's a challenge as well. So we continue to work through it. We continue to get great support from EnviroSuite. Uh, we also have within our process control technician group, we've got staff that will go um, do an initial response to work order rec- requests. To go verify a number of parameters um, before we then escalate it to EnviroSuite. So there are a few things that uh, we can, I guess, uh, address in house, and then we're, we are uh, ex- um, expediting a lot of those work order requests um, up to EnviroSuite. And, um, you know, like any agency, there's, uh, you know, challenges that they face as well with, you know, resources and, and staffing and everything else. Um, I will note too that. Uh, this year is our first year where we've gone full-scale with EnviroSuite. In the past, this has been a pilot, so we've kind of identified them as a potential uh, solution for the city. We stepped into a pilot agreement with them, and then now we're um, moving forward with a full-scale, implemented um, contract. So, um, you know, we're going to continue that, and we should continue to see success from EnviroSuite. Overall, I think it's, a, you know, it's an excellent resource uh, for our ability to, to trend, to graph, um, and to, to have this bank of information that's available. So it's something that we really never had before prior to 2019. It's also
4: probably nice that we have so many of them so that if one goes out, you still have multiple sites mm-hmm. that can measure and everything too. So that's one nice about the diversification of sites and, and whatnot too, so that if you know one or two go out, that there's still options to, to measure things and whatnot. So that's great. Yeah, thank you.
2: Thank you.
1: Other questions for Director Baker at this time?
5: Thank, thank you. you, sir. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you. Manager Rissman, Thank you, Mayor. That concludes my report.
1: So next we have an item of unfinished business, right?
5: Yeah. Um, Thank you, Mayor. So we've now had two opportunities uh, with the commission in the past couple weeks to uh, talk about the proposed 2023 budget. And um, on the fifth, we had a presentation by our CFO, Steve Asensi and and then last week we had a three-hour work session on uh, the budget we commission received a presentation from staff a lot of rich uh, questions and answering during time um, now we thought it would be good for to have an opportunity for the Commission to discuss amongst yourselves uh, with staff's assistance of course um, any changes you would like to see in this coming budget uh, for 2023? And then um, ideally, if we could have those tonight, we can then move forward with preparing the final budget that gets approved in January. Uh, have those changes reflected in what's brought forward in January. So,
1: okay, thank you, Manager. So, uh, is there uh, anyone on? Of my colleagues here that would like to begin that discussion, Commissioner Decker.
20: Thank you, Mayor. Um, One thing that you know I've heard and talked to my team members about, um, and really, when you look at what our community needs. And what our businesses need, our businesses need people that are able to come to work. Individuals aren't able to come to work sometimes because they lack child care. Um, I am making a proposal that we spend some of our ARPA funds on early childhood care, or just early childhood areas. So we can help our most vulnerable, which are um, children, have access to great daycare. I think within those funds, we would be able to start some programs again. Wherever they are placed, um, I know whatever organization or whatever department you know kind of handles this, I know they're going to to put it to put it to best use. But again, I think you know investing in. Uh, some of these home daycares that we may have. So individuals are able to get licensed, um, um, kid-proof their home um, so they can hire staff so they would be able to, to keep more kids. So then that way we have individuals that can take their children to a safe place and be able to go to work and provide for their family. Um, I think we should use some funds for that.
1: Thank you, Commissioner Decker. Other thoughts, conversation? Mr. Cooney.
19: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what with, with you're proposing there. I think we should look for that for, for early childhood. I have a couple questions. Um, and we looked at this before, but um, I'm looking at the ARPA funds and it's almost, it's over nine hundred thousand dollars a year for ARPA administrative and program costs. Um, that seems like a lot of money for me. Um, could could you speak to that, or would somebody speak to it, Jim? Sure.
5: Um, I would have our or ask our CFO, Steve Ascenti, to come forward and um, and talk about the administration. Administrative costs?
21: Um, so, the administrative costs are using that federal de minimis 10% that we've talked about for any grant. Um, to go along with that, the alternative is that we could charge direct time from staff to the ARPA fund to make up for the time that they're spending on ARPA instead of spending time on other activities. And so these. Um, Administrative dollars are going to the general fund and through an indirect route. They're also helping provide provide those staff services for the Europa fund but also allow us the capacity we need to um, Add to the general fund as you see in there. There's a New accountant position proposed and there's a new purchasing position proposed We're Talking about 40 million dollars that needs to be accounted for um, and you know contracts and Purchases bid out SO if, AND THEN ALSO ADDITIONAL WORK THAT'S BEING DONE BY CITY STAFF THAT IF THEY DON'T HAVE TIME TO WORK HERE THEN THEY DON'T HAVE TIME TO um, CONTINUE THAT WORK THAT WE'RE BUDGETING IN OUR OTHER FUNDS AS WELL SO it KIND OF GOES ALL TOGETHER AND it's MAYBE NOT NECESSARILY ALWAYS A ONE FOR ONE RELATIONSHIP BUT IT DOES HELP SUPPORT THOSE INTERNAL STAFF AND those STAFF THAT ARE WORKING ON ARPA FUNDS OR ON OTHER CITY PROJECTS TO MAKE SURE that WE HAVE THE CAPACITY ACROSS THE BOARD.
19: So, okay. I I hear what you're saying. Um, it just seems almost like it's double dipping. We're already paying for staff and now we're going to put another money in for that. Now I know it's extra work, but, um, I don't know. That just seems like an awful lot. $900,000 that's for the next four years. That's almost $4 million. Um, it just seems a light lot to me. I hear what you're saying and I'll think about it. Okay yeah
21: and, and I you know I, I get where you're coming from um, you know like I said it's kind of the federal um, overhead rate that we're allowed to use and we use it in a number of other grants as well it's kind of, and it's just kind of paying ourselves back for the work we're doing across the board to make sure we have that capacity so I'll just leave that okay there.
19: okay well I just think about the needs the city and um, what we're talking about when we just heard a couple of weeks ago that we have 32 percent of our kids living in poverty and 43% of our black kids and then we look at that I just I'm looking for some money to try to invest in that situation other
1: questions commission colleagues Commissioner Paidl I'm
4: going to echo Commissioner Decker and Vice Mayor the early childhood I'd love to see some resources directed to that you know when you look at our five priorities I think it's pretty easy to make the case that in terms of creating economic mobility and trying to enter the world, <clears throat> major barrier that yet a lot of young families are facing and uh, young parents especially is trying to figure out how to work when you, <clears throat> you got to figure out how to take care of your kids and keep your kids safe. Um, you know, I, I know firsthand I have three children at home and I know the tremendous amount of stress that my wife and I had calling, you know, dozens of places trying to find placement for. our you know newborn once we we were ready to both go back to work and you know hearing from them that there's wait lists of 9 to 12 months you know um, and then you know going to visit sites and being like oh my gosh like I would never leave my child here you know but then having to think to yourself like I got to pay my bills so am I going to make this choice thinking about you know how far a lot of parents have to go when transportation is an issue sometimes transportation if the closest place you can find is Ashton or Comstock you know you don't have something right in the neighborhood to provide your child um reliable safe care so to me it really is fits the economic development bucket it certainly fits youth um, because it's setting our our children up for safe options for for readiness for school Um, to me it's also housing because again you know it's providing you know uh, added value to living in a neighborhood to have access to affordable care and it's certainly safety as well making sure that our kids have a safe place to go and something positive or productive to do uh, you know when they're not in school um, so, I, you know, I can't think of a thing that's one of the things that is as great of a need in our community right now than finding some way to help either be a contributor towards that solution or be a catalyst for that solution or a convener to that solution. But, um, you know, it's just something I keep hearing over and over from parents. And the other thing, too, is it's one of the few issues where you have the, the business community is in alignment lock and step with, you know, uh, social justice groups. You know, I mean, like it's a pretty universally accepted demand that people have. And it's largely a cause uh, exacerbated cause of the pandemic, which is, you know, why we have ARPA. Uh, So um, I would be really in favor of trying to find resources uh, for that. Commissioner Hess. Um,
22: Indeed. Agreed. Um, uh, I'm on the legislative committee of Casey ready force Kalamazoo County ready force. Mainly that's for three and four year olds, but um, birth to, to three is also an issue. Um, I know that the city has been in, in talks with them. We don't know where that's going. We don't know what th- is gonna be happening with ready uh, fours. With but I think in terms of business development and small business, uh, small business home um, care uh, should and would in some way be supported. Um, but the city can, sh- could and should be a convener of um, early childhood education.
1: Commissioner Morris.
16: Sure. Um, I just want to uh, extend my appreciation to the staff and all the people who worked on uh, getting all these numbers together and, you know, the work they've been doing throughout the years um, and seeing ARPA as an opportunity to supplement and give us you know that opportunity to, you know, work through what we got in 2023 with a uh, fresher breath air, right? Harper, that's what it seems like uh, for staff. If I'm, if I'm, you know, um, articulating it um, correctly, but it is a fresher breath air for our staff to see that amount of money, be able to use it in ways where it continues to build upon what we're doing in Kalamazoo. It continues to establish. Um, the notion of Kalamazoo becoming better for all, right? And so I do appreciate the work that's being done, but again, we have these conversations, you know, and it's a (laughs) one-time shot with ARPA. It's not like it's forever money. And so as we spend it and we spend it wisely and we, you know, hear and honor the request of staff and that team that puts this stuff together and then we're trying to, you know, hear the concerns of the community um, it'd be very diligent of us to figure out those few points that we can say Let's see Arpa money go here. Like I do agree with early childhood development Super-duper agree with that um, financial literacy. That's a huge thing for me um, We need to start teaching people like there's that saying you give a man a fish He can feed his family you give a man a fishing pole and teach him how to fish He can feed his family by himself, right? So like what does that look like for us? to encourage financial literacy, right? And I think we can find some avenues to put some of that ARPA money towards at least scratching the surface of poverty, right? Because that's, that's where it's at. You know, like when I was taught how to budget my money and to take care of, you know, my bills and, you know, the, the poverty mindset is go, go and buy what you want and beg for what you need, right? and and those who take will never have enough those who give will always have too much right and so it's one of those things where we have to change the mindset when we're talking about poverty because poverty is a huge thing for me right um but i don't think we're going to solve poverty with arpa dollars we can put some money towards it to start the ball and get the ball rolling and in in those directions we're really concerned and need it the most so i do agree with early childhood development and financial literacy if we could find some some places to really um, invest in that, and if that's the neighborhood associations, you know, carrying that load, if that's certain nonprofits, um, whatever it is, let's 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 put our some efforts there.
1: Appreciate it, Commissioner Prado.
16: Yeah, one of the things that
4: I think uh, is important, though, there's some intentionality too, is that you know, with the ARPA, we have to figure out how we're going to spend it by the end, or by 2024, we have to spend it all by 2026. So how do you spend it in an efficient way if you want to address something like early childhood without creating a cliff? So creating something that you're not sustaining. So the question is, is what strategies can we use that we are a propellant or be, uh, you know, again, use something creatively so that it uh, keeps the momentum so that somebody else can, you know, own it. So if we know that there's a shortage of workers, you know, maybe it's supporting, creating training readiness so that when uh, other partners are expanding, Early childhood, that there is the workforce available to do that work, or you know, again, the the, the thought about the um, home-based grants, you know, there is economic opportunity there where you know you could create early childhood centers within the neighborhood, providing grant dollars like to, you would any small business to help the home get up to to um, you know the, the requirements for licensing, get the licensing, hire additional people, you know, those kind of ideas where you're not creating an artificial cliff but supporting the idea or maybe it's just providing the initial startup funding and knowing that we provide that first push and then the other partners take it from there. Um, I just think that there's a lot of opportunities and then you'll have people who will challenge it and be like, well, the city of Kalamazoo shouldn't be in the business of like educating our young people. There's people who educate our young people. Well, it's a very politically divisive issue. 12. if it was an easy issue to solve K through 12 would have solved it by now. And there's not a whole lot of communities that like claim that from birth to college that we're going to provide that that care for our kids this is an opportunity for us to be bold and stand out in the, the world and the other thing too is you know if you want to make the case about it's not our business to do you could look at any of those SDK issues that we had earlier in our com- community the whole meeting even providing uh, a bus bus uh, bus rides for kids you know in school I mean well that's technically not the business of the city of Kalamazoo to do that but we noticed issues in our community and we solve them that's what we do and this is an issue that real families and real people in our community are facing, and so I think we should heed that and do something about it, so.
19: Professor McCooney. Thank you. People have been laying the case very nice. I don't think that we in the city are gonna solve, and none of us do, the early childhood problem. What we can do is we can be catalysts to bring people together in our community. We are very fortunate to have in this community experts who would really know how to structure this. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, can, do we have some resources that could start the ball rolling, that, that people could build on, that could show um, our commitment as a city to do this, and then get the experts to tell us what it will take and how we could move forward on this, and how can we use some of this money to attract other money to do what really needs to be done to create a, a universal um, child care program for the city, early childhood program for the city. I think that's what I'm hearing people are looking for.
1: Commissioner Decker.
20: Thank you. Um, I kind of want to echo what Commissioner Juarez says and Commissioner Pradle. You know, it is about those home based businesses. Um, I feel that really going big and bold with home-based businesses and getting entrepreneurs um, in a place and giving them assistance and um, backup, per se, a little bit of financial help from organizations, you know, hopefully they would be the each one teach one. As you're saying, you know, then they're going to be able to catalyst what they have learned into something else and then grow their business and also teach someone else what they have done. Um, And then that way that opens up their expertise. And they're also talking with other individuals. So I really think that um, I'm looking at the report or the um, presentation that we had. And we have on the the slide that says uh, the economic vitality. And I remember Dr. Mitchell saying that, you know, we're not going to start harm based business, you know, programs until about 2024, Uh, you think about that, that could take a year to get into place. So, you know, let's start now with some of those funds. Um, I know City Manager Ritzma is looking for us to allocate funds. So I think we need to uh, decide, you know, what kind of funds we're looking to commit to this. To commit to the future of our children to commit to the future of our residents within the neighborhoods and within the community um, to commit to the businesses so we can get individuals out there into work and being able to go there and know that they have a safe place for their kids um, so I think you know just to begin because you know as we've been told there can always be amendments mid-year throughout the budget process um, I say we start I'm looking at one million, something like that, or so. If you guys think it should be more or less, or I'd love to hear what you have to say.
1: Okay, so, so I'll just jump in on this a second. Then, so just things, some um, just uh, a variety of ideas about this is that grants and the and the nine hundred thousand for admin. So we're gonna be paying that one or another we're not paying people twice right so people's salaries are being paid and, and what is uh, helpful about the this grant allowing a 10% admin is that you don't have to individually track every hour correct me if I'm wrong uh, CFO that 10% is is a minimum that you can just bill for your time without having to spend time with cost allocation or all kinds of complicated hour tracking kind of scenarios we don't use it for that well then we'll just be paying for city staff with our general funds so that's a, that's an effect every decision we make when we're saying we'll spend it here then we're also having to say so we won't spend it here mm-hmm. right it's a, this is a kind of a zero sum game in that way as we have a pot and and we are making choices to take it from somewhere, and and this isn't you know a free lunch thing either. If if we decide okay that's the line item that we're interested in, I mean we could say that, but maybe maybe another way to approach it is just say, all right, you know there's some number where would be the best place for that to come from in the estimation of our city staff rather than trying to just kind of reach in at this moment and say oh, okay we want it to come from that spot what makes the most sense in terms of everything we're trying to do which is come forward with a balanced budget spend wisely take care of our city in a way we need to so uh, uh, more thoughts along those lines is that I mean I, I see there's I mean there's certainly a, a general uh, sense that you know child care is an important issue, although we've also brought up financial literacy you're talking about, but general sense across the board that we care about childcare. Now, though, you know, and I think it's been very appropriate that you said this, Vice Mayor Cooney, none of us are gonna build and create a program, and we've had some different thoughts, well, maybe we should do it this way, maybe we should, you know, Commissioner Decker's talked about, well, we should, you know, help businesses, you know, home-based businesses do it. We should do this or that. We don't know off the bat here, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean 20 businesses? Is that $5,000 per business? Are we talking about 10 businesses and $50,000? I mean, we don't really know, and there's no use us trying to just kind of pick that out of the air. So maybe a way to approach it is just say, okay, here's a dollar amount that we'd be comfortable, in, and and you're talking about, bringing experts in the room to help which seems like a very appropriate thing for us to ask for which also means that if we do that uh, that's not going to happen you know in the first week of our fiscal year so that is something that might happen as our fiscal year progresses over January We're pulling people together coming up with a plan coming back to us with a plan decide what that might be so maybe just for you know just trying to be most appropriate from this place for city manager staff, you know, rather than saying, "Okay, well, let's do this exactly this particular thing in this area." Let's do that, and just trying to decide that right now that we just say, "Okay, here's here's some money, uh, uh, what feels like some a comfortable amount." And remember, we're also going to have our money in twenty four. It's going to have to be allocated. We're talking about twenty three budget now. And we have we have through the end of twenty-six to spend this money. So this won't be the last time we can ever have that discussion. We're just talking about twenty-three for now. That uh, if, if we give some sense of what what seems like a reasonable amount and ask our our team to say, Okay, hey, we're proposing this is how this is how we accomplish that, that maybe that would be something that we could do, you know, that would just Set that placeholder aside in our budget. That all said, I know we'll come up with something, but uh, we're gonna want to come up with something and just not, you know, not sit on it and find ourselves in this position a year from now saying, well, hey, we had set that money aside and not much of it got out the door, we didn't land on this, so we're definitely gonna want to focus on helping all of us convene folks, you know, to come in with something that you know, meets the the requirements of our procurement process and whatever ARPA allows and and all the needs that they seem to be met. Commissioner Prado, I saw you.
4: So one of the leading experts in this topic, uh, Dr. Tim Bardick from UpGen Institute, he estimated that, you know, a best case scenario, if you were to start to implement planning now, the earliest that you'd be able to start executing some of this work is fall 2024. So that gives you the sense of the urgency of like kind of laying your your claim in the sand here in figuring out what we want to devote to this, because if we actually want to make, a you know, measurable in impact or do something that's a catalyst to make the change, you know, if, if we win a year, you're talking in the fall 2025. And then if you ate two years, you're, you know, it, it's a problem that exists now. Like it, you know, in an ideal world, we would have like figured out how to solve this as a community two years ago. Right. But here we are 2022 about to be 2023. And what I hear you know this leading researcher saying is like you need to start figuring this out now and how you're gonna allocate this because otherwise the issue is gonna compound even worse by the time you can actually start to see measurable impact with it, if that makes any sense. You know, and I I think like the same way that we have the 10% de minimis, you know, we don't exactly know how that's gonna get allocated, but we're just estimating because we think that's what we need to do. And you know, I think the same way that we you know tackled gun violence and we impacted the youth you know, it seems like those are like three issues that we've kind of settled on as things that we'd really like to focus on. And it would be great, in my opinion, if we could, you know, allocate a a significant amount similar in size for each of those three issues for, you know, each of the remaining years of of ARPA, you know, would be my thought. Um, And, you know, because we've got to figure out how we're gonna use it by 2024. Um, And, uh, you know, that would be my thought.
1: So I have to uh, think about this a little bit, how that, In that scenario how that's affecting our 23 budget but um i don't know Mayor tristman you want to
5: sure Um, weigh in on this yeah so i i mentioned this the last uh last week at our budget work session so and the mayor said it earlier um the focus right now is on the 2023 budget and you have you know before you a recommended list of over 13 million dollars in um in uses for for arpa that means that there's 17 million remaining to be allocated and the way we laid it out we had the programs and then you know 24 25 26 years Um, those are just for us to start you know talking about and planning for Uh, they certainly aren't in stone so monies can be moved from one year to another it could be brought up from 2024 to uh, 2023 if if need be so what I would suggest and and this is great great uh, discussion and, and help for us is um, we focus on 2023 with the understanding that um, we have dollars in 24 25 and especially youth development we have a three and a half million dollar total uh, for that. Plus we have other programs that, that, uh, in 24 or 25, you know, are, are listed as well. And then we have our retreat in February and certainly we can discuss more cause that's talking about 2024. And then we can really have a good discussion and guidance from the commission in preparation of the 2024 budget. So, you know, the, the amounts between the years are fluid um again we just presented those to to have a discussion and in a framework you know ideally this is staff recommendation but we understand that you know there's a lot of uh, need and uh, flexibility
20: needed so
5: sure commissioner decker uh,
20: so just to clarify um i don't know if any of you guys still have your packet from the last meeting um what i'm understanding is let's start looking at this 2023 line and see where we can pull some funds from to start with our early childhood development. Is that what I'm hearing? Start looking at this the 2023.
16: Well, so we can, I, I think you would 2023 budget if we could like agree upon like recommend the recommendations there and saying okay, 2023 settled with the understanding of saying we still have 2024 and 2025 to discuss and to allocate other funds that aren't just in stone just yet. 2023, we should be settled on that now. Like, we should say, okay, great job, budget presented, recommendations for 2023, done, right? Because we have that opportunity to do that right now. But with that understanding of saying, okay, 2024, 2025, we got options to talk about this. But it's up to us to start planning for that stuff. Um, I think it's super important for us to start planning about it.
1: I mean, I would suggest just to repeat myself a little bit is that we don't have to tell administration absolutely take it from this spot. No, no, we can just come up with an amount, and so we don't have to. We don't have to do that budget calculation, you know, that we're kind of at the tail end of as far as grab it from there. You know, we can just say, okay, if there if there is a twenty three imagined commitment of an actual real investment. Of a plan and something to do in this you know category of things in 23 then do we want to say we want to set aside some money city manager please find it it's your job to do that find it in the budget and then come back and you know bring that revised budget to us Commissioner Prado.
4: my one ask is would be you know you mentioned the three and a half million dollars for youth funding to me, that is vitally important. We, you know, have expanded availability to positive direction, you know, opportunities for for youth during the summer. So my hope would be is like it wouldn't be a scenario where it's like, oh, well, they're talking early childhood, so now we're going to take a little bit from, you know, the three and a half million dollar youth funding, you know, because that's technically youth. Like, I think like what I hear the commission saying is like, you know, over the last like year year and a half, we've kind of coalesced around like pretty three major issues: youth, gun violence, and Uh, early childhood and so like I think you know if I'm kind of understanding and hearing everybody if I'm off base here let me know but like I think the idea would be is like each of those would have a you know a a decent-sized pot to tackle unique to themselves if that makes any sense am I saying that right
19: right and 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 I I don't think we, we should say okay well let's look at next year's budget to make that commitment that we're no we need to put aside some money this year toward this Early childhood and the city managers in a position to try to figure out how to do that and then we'll use that to build on then we can begin to we've already had conversations with some of the experts you know that um, and to bring them in and say okay how do we move on this thing how is the best way we can do this but I think it would be significant if we said we are setting aside this amount of money for this year and we're hoping to set aside much more in the future to, to use that as a catalyst to bring other people together to get a, an early childhood plan for this city,
17: which is revolutionary.
1: Yeah. Attorney Robinson.
17: I want to echo the, the remarks of the vice mayor, because there's been some ideas thrown around. And he's talking about generalities and div- giving the manager as staff some general direction. And I, I want to caution you about some of the ideas that have been thrown out in terms of, well, this is a, a way to approach it. And I say that for basically two reasons. There is a restriction uh, in, under the Michigan Constitution that you can't use governmental money for a private purpose. And that is that, that constitutional provision is given some enforcement legs by the Michigan Department of Treasury because there is an audit manual that um, our finance department must follow, and they specifically say you can't make donations to even, certainly not a a for-profit organization, but also to non-profit organizations unless there is a payment in exchange for services that the governmental entity would normally provide. So that's important. You gotta have what is called a quid pro quo in terms of the exchange of value, you just can't say, oh, this is a good idea, give money to this organization. And in fact, the, the uh, regulation that's developed by the Michigan Department of Treasury says this prohibition includes churches, veterans organizations, community organizations, Little League, Boy Scouts, et cetera, et cetera. So a good example might be uh, Millwood Little League needs some improvements to his fields oh, this is a great youth type of thing. We can't give the money to Millwood Little League to improve their fields. That would be an inappropriate donation to, if you will, for a private purpose, even though it's a nonprofit organization. So I just want to give you that kind of general background as you're thinking about, oh, how can we do this? Uh, Don't get into the specifics. As, again, the vice mayor indicated, you're talking about generalities, giving some direction to the administrative staff, and then with those constitutional and legal restrictions we can maybe figure out some way to to, to go forward
5: mayor
22: um yeah
1: commissioner
22: has yes. yeah uh, agreed and yes convener i i think that's the best role for the city is to really go out in the community Convene the folks, maybe at a cow. I think a cow has been uh, committee. of The whole has been suggested for bringing the experts in this field to actually have us see the need. What would it take? A million. From what I hear from Tim Bardick, um, for early childhood education for threes and fours, um, universal in the city of Kalamazoo or in KPS, ten million dollars a year. We don't have that. You know, so so, what would it take, and how can the city be a catalyst and a convener for that? And I would suggest that we put in the budget that that's what we look at that, um, the cost of convening and then supporting whatever is legal.
1: Other thoughts on the topic? Yeah, Commissioner Prado.
4: I mean I think that there are a number of instances that you could look similarly like that we you know have tackled I mean we're giving out business small business grants to businesses facades you know I mean you could make a case of why that's good for society or community but I mean I could go on with dozens of items and listing of like aspirational things that we're funding from you know economic development to you know, youth programming and stuff over the summer. So I mean,
1: I'm not sure if the microphone's picking up as oh, much sorry. for people watching. Yeah. Sorry,
4: but uh, you know, I guess what my point was is like, I agree. Like, you know, there needs to be some latitude for you to look and see what the best solution is forward. But I think there's plenty of examples of, of uses of funding that we've used that have you know spurred development or spurred you know small business or supported youth or you know whatever that um, you know that you can turn to as examples of how we've you know supported initiatives or needs in the community uh, without you know like to your point Clyde about you know uh, doing a wrong approach with that
5: and then yeah then um, yeah so I think this has been really helpful and I like the idea of us being able to go back and figure this out with the million dollars or so um, you know there are trade-offs if we do more in early childhood you know where where is staff gonna not spend their time doing so we need to have those conversations and understand and that'll be part of of what we bring back is you know how we can um account for that million dollars and you know what what would have to give so uh we can we can certainly do that
1: Fisher Decker.
20: Thank you. Um, So I was also doing some research, kind of looking at some things um, as it respects to our our seniors. Uh, We do have an aging aging population. um, Everywhere has that. We also have uh, seniors that are still living in their homes the best they can. Um, I really believe that, and I think city manager we talked about this earlier with uh, uh, director lamb. Um, preserving the homes, preserving the home stock that we already have. And I feel. That if we're able to continue to assist seniors stay in their homes do some, not per se the city, but you know, organizations that work within the city, stay in their homes, do a little bit of the upkeep, heaters, whatnot, things to make them safe. Um, in turn, what that's going to do, I believe, is possibly open up something for, um, something that Commissioner Prado had talked about earlier, which is home share. Um, and also, it's going to keep our housing stock from being depleted, from being Torn down from being deteriorated, um, and and I do believe that you know we really should look into some funds. Um, I know we had, a, I believe it was last year, the two hundred thousand dollars, and I kind of looked in this year, and I did not see it within the twenty twenty three budget. I think that is also speaks to vit- the vitality of our neighborhoods. Um, it speaks to um, you know the core neighborhoods and the neighborhood facades and keeping that upkeep or building homes nice and new homes but yet yeah, we don't want to neglect or forget about the homes that are there that have individuals that are paying taxes that are living there that are struggling and that are not able to upkeep their homes um, so i really think we do need to take a look um, at finding some funds to i believe it was uh, and one of the spreadsheets that you sent me sending manager Ritzma, um, regarding keeping a certain amount of funds for For seniors I think it was 23 grants at $7,000 each equals about $200,000 for seniors Uh, and again I think that kind of brings up something again as I'll say it again that Commissioner Prado talked about Um, I think you said it was happening in Ann Arbor the home share
4: the home share program in Ann Arbor it's through their I think they're senior services like equivalent in Ann Arbor
20: senior services equivalent but when you think about that and you think about also about also, in respect to the gentleman that came in and talked about rent being $1,500 as a Western student. Um, when you have that, now you have um, a home um, that is still in good shape, that may have a, a, an aging individual that is in that home that may just need a roommate or someone to help with. Um, and you can step in any time if I don't say this right, Commissioner Fredo. Um But then again, that also uh, opens up... Um, a unit shall you say in a home within the city of Kalamazoo um, for some of our residents that you know don't have a family and are single that just want a space that want to have a roommate or something like that uh, so I really think that we need to find some funds um, to keep that program roaming because I think that program roo- running because I believe it is beneficial uh, to our community
1: I had, yeah,
16: I had a question about, um, uh, it's not about the budget, but it's, so uh, sorry about that. But uh, we had discretionary dollars as a commission to spend throughout this year. Do you know how much of that we spent?
5: I do not off the top of my head, but we can certainly find out.
16: But didn't we put? Um,
5: uh, Steve, do you know that? Okay. Oh, out. Oh, okay. First on, yeah, out of a hundred thousand.
16: We spent maybe fifty, sixty thousand.
5: Yeah, we can look at that. But yeah.
16: Okay. And so then, if we wanted to spend more money before the year ended, or figure out if we had some uh, money to spend somewhere, we could do that by just contacting you, and or we have to make that decision up here. Yeah. You
5: have to.
16: I say that to say because you know, being stewards of money is one of those things where we have we had an opportunity to spend a hundred thousand dollars on things that concerned us, right? And we didn't even do that. And we talk about these bigger issues and these issues like they're they're like the problems of like now. We know like a lot of times we know the statistics about a lot of the stuff that's taking place. But I want us to be mindful as I speak to us as colleagues that. We had that opportunity, and we still didn't do too much with it. You know, this is probably our last meeting for the year, <laughs> right? And so I say that to hold us accountable also. When we think about aspirations or we think about people in need and we think about the $40,000, this is going to go back to general because yeah. we, well, we, it doesn't roll over, though. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Do you want to speak to my that understanding? Speech? I'm sorry. Yeah, to no, my no. understanding. It doesn't roll over, um, it
21: only rolls over if you Committed you. to something um, so in the prior year we had committed to some gun violence and that had rolled forward to be used um, But without a commitment we typically don't yeah. roll that
16: over So and I just say that because forty thousand dollars is a lot of money it is that can help so many different people in so many situations that could put a new roof in a couple furnaces and houses that Could put a new kitchen and cabinets in a couple of different houses I'm just I want us to be mindful because mm-hmm. we can't go to one extreme and say we need to put money all over here And here and here, but still neglect the fact we have $40,000. We didn't use as commissioners and I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm in that same boat
1: So our next
22: Commission House. How can we use some of that forty thousand that's left to fund next year's shop with a senior? Can we do that?
1: So I mean, I guess that's that's another item for the budget. I could say is the idea of including
22: we do
5: but
1: a rollover of this amount of the commission allocation.
5: Well, I think we need to take what we're hearing this evening and and bring it back and we can do it as part of the budget related to the 40,000 sure
1: so two questions one in for my colleagues and on the commission another one for city manager first I'll ask you city manager do you feel that this discussion has been helpful
5: yeah i think to the extent that we're hearing now what the commission would like to see with these dollars we can certainly um, we have enough i think to go back and then come back with you know how we anticipate allocating a million dollars and how that would impact potentially other areas and uh, we can bring that forward to the commission
7: okay
1: and then commissioners do you feel like you've had the opportunity to communicate in a way that's, that Mr. Christmas seems to understand here, so the, our next meeting is our actual budget hearing, yeah. and uh, then we don't vote on the. We won't actually be voting on a final budget till our second meeting in January. So our next meeting is budget hearing, and uh, so we'll be coming back to that. We'll, we'll be uh, a, a modestly, uh, you know, adjusted budget relative to the items we've talked about tonight. Correct. Okay. Okay. Is everybody comfortable with that? Okay. Super. All right. I'll I'll set. So we have one other item of new business, two, do we? Let me see. Oh, yes, okay. So I'm going to make sure that this is correct, but We are now in a situation where uh, James Porter, uh, Attorney James Porter, who we voted uh, to offer the position of city attorney to, has gone through an extremely extensive background check and successfully completed that background check. So the next step in that process is a a discussion about. Negotiating contract with uh, Mr. Porter for the job of city attorney. So, related to that, Mayor do you want to uh, read the motion?
5: Consideration of a motion to direct the city attorney recruitment subcommittee to bein- begin contract discussions with James Porter with the understanding that a draft contract will be submitted to the City Commission for formal approval if all due diligence investigation steps are completed satisfactorily and agreeable terms and conditions of employment can be reached
1: thank you mayor attorney Robles do you have any remarks on the need for this motion
17: uh, not really other than you, you got to negotiate a contract and SO YOU'VE GOT TO DELEGATE THAT TO SOME GROUP OF PEOPLE OR PERSON TO uh, ENGAGE IN THAT PROCESS and th- SO AS TO BRING THE CONTRACT BACK TO THE CITY COMMISSION FOR APPROVAL.
1: ALL RIGHT. SO JUST AS A REMINDER HERE, there's A SUBCOMMITTEE THAT'S BEEN INVOLVED IN THIS PROCESS. IS EVERYBODY COMFORTABLE WITH THAT SUBCOMMITTEE CONTINUING ON? Mm-hmm. MEMBERS OF THE SUBCOMMITTEE? Okay, and that subcommittee is, I'm on it. Commissioner Decker is on it as well. And Commissioner Pradle. All right, so uh, there's a motion on the floor. Is uh, anybody willing to provide support for that motion? Support, yeah. All right, make the motion, I'm sorry. Move. So, Commissioner is making motion supported by Vice Mayor Cooney. Other discussion?
22: Is there a timeline for this? What is, what is the timeline for this?
1: I think it's ambitious, but I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, and this will all depend on how much uh, notice Mr. Porter feels he has to give and uh, the extent of the discussions, but I'm hoping that we can have a city turning place in time to uh, at least shake hands with uh, city attorney Robinson on his way out now attorney Robinson has indicated that the end of January is your hard stop date is that correct that is correct okay and thank you so that's that's the goal all right Uh, let me see is there Just an item that needs uh, comments from audience. Not sure. Okay, not required to then.
17: You can ask for it. There's no
1: harm. Okay, great. Any anyone in the audience would like to comment on this item? See no one. Any more discussion? Clerk Bowling, please call the roll.
2: Commissioner Hess. Yes. Commissioner Juarez. Yes. Commissioner Pradel. Yes, Vice Mayor Cooney. Yes, Mayor Anderson. Yes, Commissioner Decker. Yes.
1: Thank you, Commissioners. The motion passes. Next is an item of new business requested by Commissioner Decker. The floor is yours.
20: Thank you. Um, Since I've become a commissioner, I've heard a lot of things on both sides um, as it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I spent a lot of time, I'd say the last month kind of really going through our city charter and seeing what was in there, what was not in there. And when I had heard Mr. I believe it is Waldron, is it the gentleman that was here earlier? I don't know if he's still here, um, talk about certain things and talk about reports that have been done 10, 15, 20 years ago and here we're doing the same reports and again, former um, DEI botter, um, just hearing things and also having our employees having to go through uh, so many assessments and tests and or not tests but just questions, asking the same repetitive questions. Um, I feel that us really looking into what the process of, the process of incorporating uh, a DEI position into the Kalamazoo city charter and what that's gonna mean for the city, what it's gonna mean for our employees, team members, um, trying to use more inclusive language going forward, team members, um, and, and for the city moving forward. Um, So, City Attorney Robinson, thank you so much for all of the information that you put within the Friday email and I'm wondering, um, just to make sure I don't mishap anything, if you could kind of walk through the process uh, of, of getting the process of getting something possibly on our ballot to have it incorporated into our city charter.
17: Certainly, thank you, Commissioner. Um, it begins with drafting a resolution containing the text of a proposed charter amendment, along with accompanying uh, ballot proposal. The, your resolution would set forth the exact language that, to be inserted in the charter. Now, that's where the, the hard work comes in terms of what do you want to put in the charter. You. you in all due respect, Commissioner, you've made some general statements, but I don't know what that necessarily means when you start putting in charter language. And let me just step back just for a moment. The city charter is—you can—it's very akin to the state constitution or the federal constitution. It is the intention of a constitutional uh, document is to give broad, general ideas and discussion and set forth some standards and leave the details to statutes and ordinances and the like. And so I, I unfortunately, and there's been some some conversation in law journals and the like in terms of, particularly in Michigan, how, because of the initiative in particular in Michigan, how Michigan voters have kind of taken the Michigan Constitution and made it more like a body of statutory law instead of constitutional law. So I I want to caution as to how much detail, what do you want to say in terms of drafting that resolution. So um, that's something you have to give some real good thought to that. But assuming we can get to that point, then once that's drafted, it would come before. uh, And there's some things you have to 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 make sure you do that that the. some things under the Michigan law and again statutory law and how you amend the charter, uh, it must be limited to a single topic. Um, if there's more than one kind of change that are related, you might need to break it up into more, two or more questions. And then you have to oftentimes tarb, tie bar those so that if one fails, they all fail kind of thing so you don't have inconsistent results. Uh, so that you have to be careful of that. And then when it gets come to the commission, it takes a three fifths vote of the city commission to put it on the ballot. But that's not the end of the, of the process. Then it has to go both to the governor and it has to go to the attorney general. The attorney general technically will be making sure that it complies with the statutory law that is, the, the caption doesn't exceed a 100 words, that what is being proposed is legal and the like. The governor also does a similar type of review in terms of, yeah, is it consistent with Michigan law, the constitution, is it consistent with the Home Rule Cities Act? And while that's the governor's role, the governor will rely upon both the governor's counsel to the governor and the attorney general for some of those questions. Once the governor gets it, one of two things can happen. The governor can approve it and it will go on the ballot. If the governor decides not to approve it it comes back to this commission, and then you can either, I don't want to say override the, the uh, governor, but you could, and put it on the ballot anyway, or you can say, oh, the governor had these objections. We're going to make some changes in response to those um, criticisms or those critiques, and we will then can put it on the ballot. So that's, and then once it gets on the ballot, it'll be voted on by the city electorate, if it passes, then it becomes effective generally after the board of canvassers certify the results that it passed. If it doesn't pass, then that question can't be returned to before the voters for another two years. Uh, so that's kind of roughly how it, how it works. Um, the, the key, as I said at the beginning, is finding figuring out what it is you want to do and putting the right language in there so that it reads, so it gives you some, does what you want to do, but often also permits you to some freedom, some latitude, some discretion in terms of how the position would work and what the expectation uh, is. You don't want to necessarily write something so strict that your hands are tied and you find yourself, ooh, I'd like to do this, but the language doesn't permit it kind of thing. So that's um, just a little bit of, there is, If you will, um, a lot of um, art, if you will, than science, when it comes to to drafting a a charter amendment.
20: Thank you, you, City Attorney Robinson. Um, So I guess you know I'm kind of going to ask my team members how how we feel about how we feel about this. If we'd like to maybe possibly form a committee. Um, To make sure that was we're talking about this or whoever may be With city attorney Robinson that we are looking at it as he says, you know with different things and really giving him the information um, And what we want this this uh, amendment to read like with his Lawyer expertise in keeping us legal
17: If I may there's there's another option and I don't know that you necessarily have to put it in the charter and this gives you the greatest flexibility Uh, is put it it an ordinance and that means that it's more easily amended you don't have to go to the electorate this body controls that uh, ordinance and again it gives you the flexibility uh, so if you do want to make a change it's easier to do so Uh, and and quite frankly if if you had a DEI ordinance um, I, I I think the concern would be well what about a future Commissioner or Commission um, uh, repealing it, uh, practically, I don't see that as uh, something that would necessarily occur. I mean, quite frankly, there'd probably be a lot of people voted out of office if that occurred, and the new group would uh, instantly re uh, readopt that ordinance. So, I think, as a practical matter, I think, an, an, uh, and I, I just throw this out for for consideration, an ordinance approach might be better than a charter. Uh, because again, you have control over it. You don't have to. I, and who knows uh, it, what does it look like if you do an, a charter amendment and it kind of squeaks by? Not that it would. I guess. who knows, but th- stranger things have happened. What does that what does that say if you will? And and you know you're going to get some nay votes. So what do you feel comfortable with? With a charter amendment that's approved by 51 percent, 61 percent? Do you need 81% to make you feel like there's a statement there, uh, and, and again, that's that's can be problematic, uh, and I don't I don't know that I necessarily like the optics when you say well, we're going to have a DEI amendment and it only gets let's say 60%, that I means 40% voted against it, um, and so I, I throw that out for what it's worth, and and you can uh, consider that, but if you decide to do a committee or a subcommittee. That would work on this I think maybe that's something you may don't want to necessarily say I'm committed to a charter amendment let's look at other options that might be available to us
20: Thank You City Attorney Robinson thank you for that other option as well Um, as regarding to the ordinance I do appreciate that
1: just a thought myself uh, Commissioner Decker about that other option is that since you have been reading uh, through the Charter quite a bit lately I'm glad to hear that Uh, I think there are positions that are mentioned in the Charter which do not exist and we don't fund them so just because something's in the Charter also doesn't mean that future commissions it doesn't bind future commissions to funding that position necessarily there are still uh, you know other kind of avenues to diminish it even if it's in the charter and you read through our current charter sometimes you wonder uh, if it weren't so difficult we might go through and clean up some things that are in there that are a bit of an anachronism but uh, but that said I, I do think it's worthwhile considering in ordinance uh, you know another part that you did not talk about of course is that as you go through this work there's a period of time when you have to, you know, put something on the ballot, decide when it's going to be on the ballot. There are only certain times that there are elections when you're going to do that. So there's a whole strategy in thinking about that as well, where If this,
17: this would, if, if you did this, it would go on next November's ballot. That's the next municipal election, and that review bef- by the governor and uh, attorney general, they like to get that work done at least. Um, probably a good 90 days before uh, the, the thing goes on the ballot because as the clerk will tell you there are deadlines that clerks have to follow in terms of printing ballots and getting them out to absentee voters and with the recent change that occurred in this most recent election in terms of um, absentee voting there's going to I mean the paint's not dry yet on those changes and, and I think the, the city clerks not, and not, not mr. bowling but city clerks and township clerks across the state are still figuring what do we go what do we have to do in the next year if we have municipal elections and certainly in the next two years when we have a presidential election a general election uh, type of thing what are the challenges gonna be that we have to prepare for to begin to prepare for now so uh, I say that and not necessarily to dissuade you of, about putting it on the ballot, but know that there are some as the mayor indicated there are some deadlines And so if you have an idea the sooner the better you can get that to the attorney general and the governor because Because this is a municipal election year. There will likely be a, a glut of Charter amendments by other municipalities as well and it takes time to work through some of that now that said um I am fortunate to have uh, a good working relationship with the, the, the assistant. At, at, um, I don't know why he hasn't retired yet either. He's older than I am, but um, he's he works uh, on, in the mm-hmm. municipal law section of the attorney general's office. I can pick up the phone and, and uh, have a conversation with him in, in terms of of things. And so, um, but mm-hmm. most recently, this past year, there was a, a advisory that was issued by the. Uh, governor and attorney general in terms of saying, if you've got ballot questions, get them to us sooner rather than later, because there's no guarantee we'll get our review done in terms, in time for your ballots to be printed. So, uh, just a word to the wise.
20: Thank you for that information, uh, city manager, or sorry, excuse me, city attorney Robinson. Um, It is good to know um, all of the team members that it will affect, you know, if something like this when something when this will be coming to fruition. Um, So I'd like to get some input from my team members and what they how they feel. Commissioner Decker I
22: I hear you and I know that you want it written into the law of the city what should be written in our hearts. Um, I am happy to serve on a subcommittee to explore whatever option might be available um, to try and move it along.
4: Yeah, no, I appreciate the background as well. I would have never thought about the ordinance uh, versus the charter amendment. The one thing that I think is somewhat appealing about thinking about the um, the uh, ordinance option versus the charter amendment, which I'm not, you know, I, I'm open to looking at uh, avenues and exploring and seeing more. But um, one of the things I was thinking about recently is I was thinking like, if you think about in the last five or 10 years, uh, the terminology for LGBTQ, well, now there's IA plus. And say if we made a charter amendment and just did LGBTQ, as time evolves and that terminology changes or, you know word uses and what's considered acceptable or the inclusionary changes how do you do it in a way that doesn't uh, set yourself up where five to ten years down the road you're excluding somebody and and a good example I was just thinking about this is I'm noticing at work more and more that for DEI that belonging is becoming a part of that um, terminology to use in terms of like what you're creating in the workplace and so you know Uh, you know, that wouldn't even, that wasn't even really floated around two years ago when people were starting to use DEI much more frequently, diversity, equity, inclusion, and not knowing what terminology, you know, five, ten years down the road, maybe one of those terms might not be, you know, the term that people are using anymore or, um, you know, uh, so, or maybe it's excluding elements that people consider down the road. And so, um, you know, I think that trying to figure out a way to make it kind of Universally understood that, regardless of what it's called, what are we trying to achieve? Um, You know, whether it be a position or a department, or that's focused on blank. um, You know, that uh, keep things uh, focused enough but broad enough that it doesn't necessarily maybe exclude people that we didn't think about in the future. If that makes any sense, or um, so that was one of the things that just kind of came to mind. But you know, again, I think it it, it'd be worthy. You know, to explore. You know. What options might be available and you know, I'd be happy to to, to support in any way possible as well. So.
1: Well, Commissioner Decker. I think you have your committee Yeah, if you're I, okay with that <laughs> Commissioner yeah. Freyville volunteer, Commissioner has unless uh,
16: no, I'm not gonna volunteer to be on the committee, but I do have some comments um, I think part of the trade-off between when you talk about ordinance or uh, Or it being in our charter is, you know, like Don Cooney always talks about, we want to be looked at as what's Kalamazoo doing? We want to be the trailblazers, right? Like I don't think a lot of municipalities are talking about putting the the in their charter right now, right? And so that's unique, right? That's uh, a, uh, putting a stake in the ground and saying like we're committed to this work so much that we're willing to put this in our charter. That's a statement that we owe to our people, right? I think one Um, and then that being said if it goes to that it's it's in stone now right it's not like we can but you generalize the 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 lingo to make it suitable for all right I think that's where you can find yourself um, getting around those like well if things are added on in later years right you generalize it in a way where it's talking about all people right um, because when you think about DEI, it's not just about the LGBT community, the black community, the Hispanic community, the, 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 the homeless community, the, you know, disabled, you know, veterans. Like, it yeah. encompasses so much, right? And then it gives you the ability to, to lever the extremism between, like, indoctrination of, whoa, you need to, you know, understand what we're about and accept us one way or another. Well, it's general. It's like, you're, you belong. And you belong in this sense because you're part of a, this community of people who are trying to better themselves. Not putting one group of people up here, one people here. You know, we're taking the back of the line because somebody's issue is more important. But we're looking at it from a, from a sense of saying, how do we go together on this journey and make it to our destination, right? Together, right? And that's the belong together thing that I, that I really feel we, we lack um, because it gives us the ability to, to determine that, right? Um, and so I think, you know, it being part of the charter, great idea. If that's the best route, let's do that. If it's pushing the envelope for other cities to be that way and say, hey, we need to consider, I mean, Cal Zoo's doing it, you know. We had a bunch of people call about when we we're doing the marijuana stuff, right? Like, okay, what? Okay, what are you guys figuring out? How do you guys see it portraying in your city? But being a trailblazer for it is always cool and unique. You know what I mean? At the same time, it—I mean—it's a big statement. It's not just a little thing. We're not just talking about like potatoes. Uh, so,
1: thank you, Commissioner Morris Commissioner Decker, are you comfortable with the idea of a subcommittee getting together on this, or you have some other ways you'd like to approach this?
20: Um, I believe that uh, we are missing uh, Commissioner Hoffman. Thank you, Jean, for. For offering to be on the committee with me I'm not sure if Commissioner Cooney would like to say anything before I go on or
19: no I think it was a great idea I think um, I think it would set a an example for other cities it would show our commitment to to that this is so important to us that we want to either enshrine it in an ordinance or in in the Charter um, and um, I don't know it to me, the ordinance is quicker. It makes the statement, and um, it, it 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 would be real. So I, I I would favor the ordinance because I think it's easier for us to do. We control it, um, and it makes a statement that we want to make.
1: Attorney Robinson,
17: in, in, if I may, uh, and. The remarks the vice mayor reminded me of this when the city recognized um civil rights for the lgbtq committee at that uh, community at that point that was the four letters that were used lgbt that was and that was done by an ordinance and we were probably at least first in kalamazoo county uh, and i want to say we were certainly within the first 10 10 maybe uh, cities to do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know that any other city did it by charter. They wanted that flexibility in the ordinance, I think for that very reason that it it does make a statement. Uh, And uh, we, when I say we, the city of Kalamazoo, pulled other local jurisdictions with, with us eventually. Uh, if Kalamazoo can do it why can't Kalamazoo Township why can't the city of Portage Uh, and so we were in the vanguard locally just through an ordinance Uh, and I again I'm not suggesting that that's the way but I think it offers you more flexibility and you can you can make just as strong a statement uh, in that fashion Commissioner Prado
4: one thing I was just going to mention is that like for instance Commissioner Hoffman's not here one of the things that sometimes bothers me is if we like are too rash about picking people to serve on committees just because you know I make a comment doesn't mean that like, sure. I need to be the person to do it if somebody's more passionate and sometimes you know somebody might need a second to like think about it whether they want to do it because if they're going to be serious about it, it might be a time commitment you know sure. so I I don't want to just I mean I, I would love to but I also don't want to like exclude somebody else who didn't you know get to jump to it before me or something like that and I, I think sometimes I've seen that happen with us where it's like. You know people get super trigger happy to be like oh yeah I'll serve but then it's like you know maybe somebody else wanted to and I didn't, you know you don't want to miss out on somebody else to do that the other thing too is I think one of the things that could be really valuable with that subcommittee is that you know sometimes you want to be the trailblazer sometimes you want to be the first one to do it you know and you really want to make a statement but you know sometimes too, you you know you don't need to reinvent the wheel like maybe somebody out there has already thought uh, through a thoughtful way to do this in another community you know maybe not even in the state of Michigan but um, maybe there's something that we can garner or learn from other places that are doing something similar or have done something similar or have explored it and learn from them as well so I think there might be you know one or two ways to look at that about how we approach it and that might be where it's helpful to get subcommittee support um, the other thing too is the Michigan Municipal League I can't remember what, what it was that we were working on. I think it was on the first um, first amendment subcommittee committee but they have like a policy lab and I remember when we were like looking at policies for that first amendment subcommittee we reached out to him and asked him like do you know of anything that's going on in the state or ideas or whatever and they shot back some pretty cool resources and ideas that we could use for that group um, that's a resource that we're a member of that we could potentially ask for support to see if they have any uh, awareness of other things that are happening in the state of Michigan as well.
1: So maybe we can leave it I'm sorry Commissioner Decker you going to say something. Uh,
20: yes I was just going to say uh, thank you Commissioner Prater for that I do have the MML written down and also um, um, I believe it is NBC Leo was another place I can look at national black classes for local elected officials. Um, so I believe that's also a great organization that I'm going to try and utilize. Um, the subcommittee can try and utilize to, to gather some information. Um, and I do agree with you, uh, with you Commissioner Fredo, we do need to maybe. Uh, wait for a moment and make sure we're able to offer this to everyone that may not be here this evening. Um, so I am okay uh, putting um, city manager Ritzema, if you would please put this on the agenda uh, for our next meeting, um, which will be in January as to talk about the subcommittee um, and we can make that we can uh, get individuals, team members that are that are looking to work with me on that. Thank you.
17: Sounds good. Commissioner. Deckard. Thank you for all your work on that. And, Robinson. And in preparation for tonight's meeting, uh, not knowing exactly where you wanted to go with this, there's a good jumping off point is the executive order issued by President Biden in 2021 entitled Executive Order on Diversity, Equity, Inclusion and Accessibility. And it is a 14 page document, single spaced. Um, that at least is a starting point. I'm not suggesting we need a 14-page document, but uh, I think there's some ideas that could be gleaned from what's already been done at the federal level so we don't have to reinvent the wheel.
1: It's
17: got a mind. hard copy.
1: It'll soon be in your hands. So mm-hmm. I, I think this also ties back to what Commissioner Pradle said is I have also t- heard the terminology be beginning to be used, DEIA as well as DEIB, separately. So it's that idea of uh, don't create something for yourself that may be an anachronism in five years or in two years. So just to be conscious of that. Manager Ismael.
5: Yeah, thank you, and um, I really appreciate this discussion. Uh, One thing uh, I've learned through the subcommittees we've had, the First Amendment subcommittee was Is um, if a proposal could come back for like the charter of the subcommittee that outlines you know the what and then timeline and all that that really helps kind of structure things so it the subcommittee knows what it's charged with and what the Commission expects will be brought back to them and then um, we can work from there so uh, that could be part of the first Steps of the subcommittee to work on. All right, Commissioner Decker.
20: I just have a, a real quick question. Um, thank you for that, City Manager Ritzma. Um, do most subcommittees bring that information forward to the commission?
5: We did with, um, I believe we did with the First Amendment subcommittee.
20: First Amendment? Yeah. Okay. Let's say I, I'm just kind of verifying to see you know, if I follow the subcommittee. Yeah. into place I'm just
5: recommending it I mean
20: thank you I appreciate that
1: Yeah, I was on the subcommittee that came forward with the uh, fairly groundbreaking work where we expanded protected classes uh, the one Kalamazoo business which was on the ballot we went through an extended process on that one of the City Commission passing it a referendum that overturned it forcing us to vote again one way or another which we we can get into the whole history of this but we voted it down to give ourselves time and then voted for it again once it been modified which then ended up going to the ballot so that can be a long long process and uh, not always simple and and uh, as you'd like it to be so but we came forward with uh pro you know a a time frame, a real uh, specific recommendation, uh, and that was uh, certainly crafted in the forge of a, a very extensive public comment uh, opportunity for folks. That all said, thank you once again, Commissioner Decker, for uh, doing all the background work you've done on this, and and. Uh, Initiated the work of the city attorney here to bring us some real information on how that process works. Now we are to the time for commissioner comments. Does anybody want to start us off this evening? Vice Mayor, Cooney.
19: I'll be Thank fast. You. I'll be fast. I just want to mention that tonight we uh, voted to take a grant that we got and apply it to Urban Alliance, and um, last week. I had the great opportunity with uh, Chief Boyson, and Mayor Anderson was there for a while, um, to watch a graduating class from Change of Status. And it was such a wonderful thing. People were dressed so well. Their families were there. And for some of those people, that was probably the biggest thing that ever happened in their life. And um, they were so proud and it was just a wonderful thing to see the work that they do and what a difference it makes in people's lives i thought that was great and then yesterday i had the opportunity to go to the mothers of hope annual christmas party and there were 40 kids there running around and happy as they could be and Uh, there was charles parker with his santa claus whiskers on and so everybody was sitting on his lap and it was just great to see those kids and to recognize the wonderful work that mothers of hope has been doing for so many years
1: that's amazing thank you vice mayor Cody. other colleagues i'll go commissioner hess
19: um, first of all,
22: just an announcement that the EPS foam recycling that is, uh, was mentioned in our, uh, in our Committee of the Whole today, um, as, a, as an environmental initiative that began here in Kalamazoo, uh, is happening December 31st and at Mayor's Riverfront Park from 10 to 1. So, all that gifting that happens often comes with styrofoam packaging. Please, please, please. If you can't, if you're not in town or can't bring it, please find somebody that come to then come come and bring it to Mayor's Riverfront Park on December 31st from 10 to 1. And big gratitude shout out to the volunteers that help uh, take that in and, and get it in that truck. Um, we did lose um, a life over the weekend. I believe it's Deshawn Omar Jones um, to gun violence and. Uh, you know thoughts and prayers don't work unless prayers change people and people change those things Um, so one of the things that we can do one of the things that's out there one of the tools that's out there is the gun violence prevention survey that is on the uh, Kalamazoo Community Foundation website and it's also on the city uh, social media so please go and um, What can you do? And answer, what can you do to help eliminate gun violence in our city? Um, I wanna thank uh, Jeanette Sage in the um, clerk's office for shepherding folks to carol around the Christmas tree here at City Hall. Um, It's a festive time to get people together in the city to celebrate and to bring the light, as Deacon Schmidt also said. So uh, that is happening, if you feel so called, please join from 7.30 to 8 o'clock in the morning around the Christmas tree in the atrium, um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings. Um, And I know that uh, our city celebrates not only Christmas, we celebrate Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. Uh, We will all celebrate the coming uh, New Year together with a great New Year's Eve Fest here in Kalamazoo, complete with fireworks. Um but I wish all the love and light and joy that these holidays bring to all of our residents and all of the people I am so privileged to serve with and for in this
20: community. Thank
22: you.
1: Thank you, Commissioner Hess.
20: Thank you, Mayor. All right. <laughs> Just wait, Mayor. Um I do have to echo commissioner has you know I'm proud to have so many dedicated team members here within the city of Kalamazoo that are wanting to grow and to move us forward uh, we had the presentation earlier today that talked about the connected cities for all um, we should strive to be a connected city in our everyday lives it is good to hear Again, some support, some not so support for the bike lanes as it comes with that connected city and I do believe that once it's more of a norm and individuals get used to it, uh, we will see more people using those bike lanes. Um, I will say that we are still waiting the report um, from MDHSS as Director Baker said it should be here in the middle of or towards the the first quarter, or sometime in January. Um, I did follow up with some individuals in Lansing. Um, They also reiterated the same thing, that it should be here uh, sometime within January. Um, I also wanted to let um, our community know and our team know that we did request, I did request that once that report comes out, we want to have MDHSS here to educate our community and to educate us to what that report really means um, I know it's been taking some time but again hopefully they've reiterated it will be sometime in January I know that's that's something that's heavy that's weighing on everyone's mind and everyone wants to know uh, the outcome the outcome of what that is um, I want to get it give a great shout out to to our, our team members on our city team you guys have done a great job within the budget I know we sit up here and we talk about things and we want to change things and move things Um, we know that you've heard us we know that the things that you are planning are also for the best or for the betterment of the city also for the betterment of our community and for the betterment of our residents Um, so just because we may change something don't think that we don't ever treasure and appreciate you guys fully I would wish everyone here in the city of Kalamazoo all over the world a happy holiday. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Commissioner Decker. Commissioner
4: Prado. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, Just a a moment of reflection here. But one thing that's different each time we switch and have a city commission election, we change sides and uh, I used to have my back to the windows and one of the things that uh, I just love sitting here during the holidays looking at the beautiful city park and all the lights outside and you can see all the flurry of activity and kids running around out in the park and um, you know it's just uh, just kind of a magical thing to see out the window and so I just I want to take a pause just to to share what I see and uh, with that and um, and thank you so much to Parks and Rec and, and Public Services for all the work they do to, to make our downtown such a magical place uh, during the holidays but uh, it's a good reminder too. I always, um, my dad, who uh, worked in mental health as a nurse for a large portion, always reminded me that although the holidays are an incredibly happy time uh, most of the time for our family, that for a number of people, that sometimes uh, you know can be a really hard time of year. And so, for those people who are struggling or uh, you know have sadness in their heart this time of year, just know that you're thought of and uh, you know uh, you are wished well. Um, but I do certainly wish everybody a, a very happy holiday season. You know, speaking of of hardships that some families face, you know, we, uh, Commissioner Hess uh, talked about uh, a young man, 17 years old, lost his life on Friday. And uh, you know, we uh, on the commission get in pretty real time uh, updates of major events that are happening in the city. And when you get a text like that, that there's a 17 year old in our community that's been shot, your your heart just stops. Because uh, all you can think about in that moment is just that chaotic scene and you know that young person's life That's forever changed the the young people and the family and friends are around that scene the public safety officers that are a part of that scene um, And you know whose lives will be forever changed and not, not to mention the 16 year old who is in custody today, you know forever changed and uh, so that's just an important reminder that uh, know just to continue to think about people who you know that this is not always the happiest of times um, you know it can be a hard time for some people and, and they remain in our thoughts and certainly um, all those uh, involved in that young person both the young person's lives uh, know that we are uh, you know holding them close in our thoughts as well uh, this holiday um, really want to take a chance to thank uh city staff again for just an amazing year if you didn't get a chance to tune in for the committee the whole meeting and see the imagine kalamazoo presentation just incredible work neil conway put together just like this minute and a half video montage of just the spectacular work that happened this last year and you know from what i hear from from uh city staff from that presentation they say that 2023 is gonna uh you know take it one step up even from 2022 so i encourage you to, to look back and see all the spectacular work that happened this year um, cannot thank city staff enough for their work, you know, for the men and women who are going to be working again during the holidays every time one of those water mains breaks or an emergency happens uh, that are going to respond 24-7, irregardless, you know, of what any of us are doing. Thank you for your service um, over the holidays. And uh, to my colleagues here, I just want to really thank you for um, just being incredible people to serve with. It's just truly an honor. And uh, uh, I hope all involved with the city and with our community have an opportunity to rest and reflect over the holidays and uh, have a, a great holiday season.
1: Thank you, Commissioner Perillo. Commissioner Moritz? No? Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right, so this is our last meeting of 2022. We won't see each other until next year. And uh, I actually have a few things to go through tonight, but one thing I want to say that is, from my perspective, an amazing, amazing opportunity, and that is this, is that I get to spend a great deal of time with organizations, large and small, all across this community that are doing community work deeply. You mentioned Mothers of Hope, for example, that's doing that work and sometimes we can sit up here and think well it's kind of like us you know doing the city stuff and what's really going on you know we're in this space but it's just a reminder of the tapestry of community involvement that happens every single day and that's really what i want to lift up with this list that i'm going to go through which is by no means comprehensive but it's just it's just a last week list sort of thing which goes on and on. And there were a bunch of things happening which I didn't get to go to. Thank you for bringing up the Mothers of Hope, Vice Mayor Cooney. So so here's some of that. So what are some of the things I've done uh, in the last week here? Well, I attended uh, the Kalamazoo Boxing Academy event. Thank you, Mr. Curtis Isaac. Been doing that work for years. A great place that young people get engaged and families and friends come there and support those young people who are spending their time being focused and working out and, and getting a ring, and, and I'll tell you what, it can be challenging to watch, but hugging each other at the end of three rounds. And it's a legit event. And, and how is this, I mean, you see Pastor Zell was there, for example, just watching and supporting. Acting Chief Boyson was there, as a matter of fact. So you are just talking about spending some time in the community, and I can tell you, up until being invited by Mr. Isaac and attending those, really, I really had no idea that was happening in Zoo and how organized it was. And there's a ringside doctor that comes and volunteers his time, checks everybody before they go in, checks everybody after the fight, is there just in case, obviously. And that doctor is a, a very accomplished, doctor at Bronson who has created a, a huge successful program there at Bronson there is no reason he needs to do this other than that's how he engages one of the ways he engages in community and he's there doing that work bless him for that I'm not gonna mention his name I don't know if he wants to be mentioned but uh, I mean it's, it's really really impressive that's number one number two I saw the opportunity, Hanukkah started yesterday, and uh, three temples in town, Temple uh, B'nai Israel, Chabad House of Kalamazoo, and the Congregation of Moses. Uh, The event was led by Rabbi Hannah Estrom, down here in Bronson Park. Looking at the lights. The menorah is right over here in the corner. And I think it is so important right now when we're talking about the increase in anti-Semitism, and actually there's been some discussion for people in the Jewish community saying, hey, should I really have that menorah in my front window right now? Is that a smart thing? And to have a large crowd, I'd say 100 people show up, uh, to share that, to light that first candle on the menorah, uh, and come together for that in Kalamazoo, uh, recognizing miracles past and that miracles still occur in the modern day. And, uh, the Jewish Federation helps organize that, has been active in Kalamazoo for 150 years. Third thing, I got a chance to go to the East Side Mixed Use Project, brand new construction over on East Main. Functional Land Bank, another great organization in town. And East Side is very involved. The fou- foundations are in the ground, and the work goes on. That's going to be housing and community space, retail space as well. Fantastic thing, another organization. I was going to mention Change of Status event and the fact there was some funding for that that we are are moving there that we got tonight. Another great group doing great things. I also want to recognize our Department of of Public Safety. We had an officer who, who rushed into a situation not waiting for backup, She's not the, you know, the biggest person in the room, and ran into this setting and realized that there was somebody literally being assaulted, and jumped in to stop that, and as a matter of fact, uh, became a target herself of that assault. And I just want to say thank you to that PSO and to Public Safety for being there and doing that work and, and staying involved in the community. I do think we should all mention this—the fact that a 17-year-old died from a gunshot wound—has got to continue to drive our thinking and our caring about what we're going to do and what we're going to prioritize here in Kelowna. And here is uh, what I'd like to close out with: is that Bertha Barbie McNeil, a member of the Velvets, uh, just passed away this week. She's 82. Uh, not only did she achieve some success with the Velvets; they had some hits, Motown hits, uh, but she uh, went back to school, became a teacher in Kalamaz Public Schools. She was a teacher for 26 years in Kalamazoo Public Schools. Got her bachelor's degree and her master's degree, taught music, and I think that it would be worthwhile for everyone to go on YouTube and see the Velvets performing Needle in a Haystack, one of their big hits. And you will find that on YouTube. Easy to find. Just Google it. And they are performing right over here at the Radisson. Nice Kalamazoo event. Beautiful. And uh, I think just a really nice recognition of the Velvets. It's been a great year. Looking forward to another great one together. I love you, you. We're adjourned.